0: Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have.
1: What's up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. Today is not necessarily Mailbag Friday, kind of Mailbag Friday. We did a grill corner with LB's Greg, and before that we also uh, we got to a little Kentucky Series preview with Colin Brister. Uh, discussing Ole Miss's rotation, Mike's quote after the midweek game, which I think is still newsworthy despite them announcing the rotation. And uh kind of some other things, Calvin Harris's return to the lineup, what the Rebels do when Kevin Graham gets healthy, and how that affects Harris and everyone else down from there. So, um the little disclaimer though, in terms of the timestamp of it, Colin and I had to record on uh Wednesday night, despite the millions of dollars I pay Colin to do this podcast, he does have a day job he has to attend to as well. Um it's no grease industry, but uh, it's still time consuming. So we uh, we recorded on Wednesday night when Mike had not yet announced the rotation, um, and then Mike came out on Thursday and announced that it will be Dylan Delucia followed by TBA TBA on Friday and or excuse me on Saturday and Sunday for Ole Miss. So I think the conversation, Colin and I, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out what the long term fix of the rotation is breaking down Mike Bianco's lengthy quote, one of the lengthier quotes I've ever heard him have. Um, really, just in general and most thoughtful quotes I've ever heard him have. I don't know the last time I remember being on the beat and clipping a Mike Bianco soundbite. But anyway, we broke that down the um, and then kind of thought, figured out what that meant for the rotation. Both of us settled on Brandon Johnson, followed by either John Gaddis, a freshman, then Derek Diamond. And uh, that didn't turn out to be the case, but I think the conversation is still relevant. I think Colin even mentioned the possibility of Dylan Delusia being the Friday guy at one point in the conversation. So anyway, still, still relevant. It's an, interesting, uh, it's an interesting move for sure. I'll have a little more elaborate thoughts on the actual rotation being announced itself at the top here. But I just want to give you that disclaimer. So buckle up. It's a packed show. Great grill corner with Greg. For those of you that sent non-grilling mailbag questions, I'm going to roll those into next week. Just ran into a little bit of time constraint and I didn't want to make the pod like a three-hour one. So anyway, going to be an awesome show. But before we get to that, I want to remind you the podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Fix. Who is Skybox Sports Fix? Well, glad you asked. They're The world's best gambling, handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval an advanced modeling mechanism that has propelled Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Need to check these guys out. Uh, you got March Madness rounding that, winding down this weekend with the Final Four. Goodness, I can't not talk this early on this Friday morning. Uh, check out their picks for that. They'll have a full card of that. The NASCAR package was free till the end of the month, but you can still buy it, um, I believe, for the season behind the paywall up there. So check them out. Uh, SkyboxSportsPicks.com. Whatever your sport is, got some NBA. Um, I know they've been crushing the NBA over unders. They've got all kinds of different stuff um, heading into the summer months. You want to bet the Masters? Some different, uh, some all kinds of different sporting events this time of year. So you need to check them out. SkyboxSportsPicks.com. They're gonna have a picks package to fit your price range. Whether so that's month long, season long. If you want to go all sports, you're gonna specific sport whatever it is, whatever your budget allows for skybox is going to have a picks package. that fits it. And you're going to profit anyway. So it's really just an investment. They're going to lead you to profit more consistently than your own dumb brain will. It's true for all of us. Um, skybox are the professionals. It is based on math and analytics and not a lean you had 10 minutes right before kickoff or tip off or whatever the case may be. They're going to lead you to profit. You don't want to be the guy on Sunday nights dreading the text from the bookie wondering, uh, They can square up. You need to be texting the bookie. Hey, where's my supplemental income for the week? Let's go crazy. Skybox is going to let you help you do that more consistently than anyone else in the industry. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Cheers to Skybox for winding down an incredibly successful basketball season. Hopefully, I'll have some end-of-the-year numbers for y'all on the Sunday show. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Greg Grave, the greatest infomercial for LB's of all time on the Grill Corner. What more do I need to say? Octor is so lucky to have a place called LB's specialty butcher shop. He will do whatever you want. He wants to make your grilling experience great. It's always down to try different things, different cuts. Greg's a big cut YouTuber. We got into that on how he figured out how to do all these custom cuts. It's such a treat to have a place like LB's. Like he said later in the show, there's a a reason. They've been in business for 13 years right across a chain butcher shop in Kroger and kicking its ass. So check them out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger there. If uh, you're a RippyWrites subscriber, that's Com. you get a free newsletter from me a couple of times a week and discounted meats. Right now it's a 16 ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. You decide which one's better. So check them out. Just go in there, show Greg proof of subscription. He'll get you set up and then go find all your own favorites. Uh, we got into a flaming hot Cheeto sausage that Greg concocted one night and a couple of other things all kinds of great stuff there at lbs check them out all right before we get to colin's preview i wanted to offer just a couple of thoughts at the top about the actual move that mike bianco made in the rotation again you're going to hear us in a minute discuss you know what mike could do what he should do where to go from here and uh, kind of patting him on the back a little bit that's probably a little strong just giving him credit i should say for his open-mindedness approach now It was not the way – it did not turn out the way I thought it was going to. I did not have Dylan Delucia, TBA, TBA, followed, uh, like as the way Mike would lay that out. But, hey, look, as – they haven't had a guy get to the – they've had one guy get to the fifth inning in six SEC games. Like, anything should be on the table, as I wrote in the newsletter earlier in the week. There should be nothing that – you know, is completely out of the question because really everything is questionable in terms of this pitching staff right now. And so if I'm trying to rationalize Mike's thinking about this, just kind of spitballing out loud here, what is Dylan Delucia served as for Ole Miss the, last, the first two weeks of the SEC season? He's been an outseater. He hasn't been great. His That kid's going to end up playing a valuable role in this team. And then you're going to look at his actual like kind of base level stat line at the end of the year and wonder what what the hell? How did this kid keep getting outings? But like, if you watch the games, you understand the role he played. And so I guess I say that to point out that yeah, I think he what he gave up five runs against Tennessee last week, but he spent six and two thirds innings and threw ninety eight pitches. That may have been or may should have been a telltale sign about what Mike wanted to do with one of his rotation slots this weekend. I get extending to Lucia last weekend, but allowing him go to throw ninety eight pitches is pretty telling. Um, And I guess that was a week from Friday. So, like, in a way, he threw a start, right? I mean, Ole Miss hadn't had a starter go six and two-thirds and throw 98 pitches in an SEC play yet. So he's really, like, one week off of a quote-unquote Friday night start in terms of the wear and tear on the arm. Now, does that make a huge difference in terms of who he could have gone with this week? No, not really. Johnson threw a decent amount of pitches on Sunday. I can't imagine that factored a ton into this decision. But I just wonder if he was weighing, do I go Brandon Johnson, do I go elsewhere – and then just kind of deciding, hmm, I'll go with Delusia because he's, you know, seven days removed from throwing a starter's workload. And beyond that, the biggest thing is I was kind of derailed by the uh, by myself in terms of the uh in terms of the um, Alex eating point. Doing Delusia hasn't been great, but he's gotten guys out and it hasn't been a disaster. He's you know, put up a couple. He put up a couple valuable zeros to allow Ole Miss to blow the game open in that Thursday night SEC opener at Auburn. He settled down a little bit, or settled them down a little bit against Tennessee. Again, it was a far from a work of art, but that's a really tough lineup that Tennessee had. And he at least collected what is that twenty outs? That's you know, I I think Mike's thinking is probably if we can just get into the game on Friday without having a six spot hung up on us in the second inning like last week, or. You know, four runs in the first two innings after your offense gave you a decent lead, like they did Thursday against Auburn. If I can just get into this game, that is going to be good enough because I still have faith in my offense to get us through most of the weekend, particularly on Friday nights against a Kentucky team, mind you, that lost its Friday night guy for the season last Friday. So that's a Kentucky team that's probably I don't I haven't looked and seen what their rotation is, but I can pull pull it up right now i have it right here okay so kentucky went the tba on friday the rare tba on friday followed by darren williams and tyler bosma on saturday or bosma however you say that so they basically lose their friday night guy, and they're going tba they're trying to figure it out tonight you don't see the tba on friday very often my point being is mike said it as much in this quote that you were about to hear colin and i break down this is going to be a week-to-week thing it's going to take them a couple of weeks to figure this out i don't think old miss leaves Lexington, Kentucky, knowing what their rotation is and feeling like it's set. Even if they have a good weekend on the mound, I, I just don't think that's the case because it has been so bad and there's so many question marks and there's so many possibilities. And so, you know, you may not love the Delusia move. I, I, can't say I, I, I can't say I necessarily fully understand it, but at the same time, it has been such a problem and there's so many different ways you could go with this. I just shrug my shoulders and say, okay, let me watch this play out. You know, like I I can't fault him for it because what's the clear better option? I'm sure there's a lot of you out there like me and you'll hear me and Colin argue this in a second that thought, hmm, all signs point toward Brandon Johnson. Why not have your best guy um, start off the weekend, have your best arm and then just figure it out. I, I, I think that's a perfectly logical way to think about this, but you know, Dylan DeLucia has been pretty good, and that stuff plays. And he's gotten people out, twenty four, and he throws strikes, 24 strikeouts to four walks on the year. And so, you know, if he's a guy that can just get you through the game. Mike even used the word opener in that long quote he had after the midweek game on Wednesday. Like, I don't necessarily think Dylan DeLucia is an opener, but the fact that Mike even, one, knows what an opener is, two, is thinking about it in that sense kind of tells you where his mind is at and just how how blank the canvas is in terms of just the way he's thinking about it. And so, again, I can't say I fully understand this. At the end of the day, in five weeks, if this pitching staff is fixed, I think it's Brandon Johnson on Friday, Gaddis, Maddox, Delucia kind of one of those three on Saturday, and then Derek Diamond on Sunday until further notice. What a world that we're living in now that Derek Diamond is probably the one constant on Sunday. I know Ole Miss is um, – is technically TBA on Sunday, but I just, unless things get really weird in the Friday and the Saturday game, I just, I think Derek Diamond, I don't think there's anything he's done to warrant taking him off of the game three. He gave old miss a shot last week. It's about all you can ask for from a Sunday guy at this point. So Mike's looking at this. How can I get 27 outs in a game and how can I get through 27 innings across the course of a weekend? And there's going to be a hell of a whole lot of different ways to do that. And I guess he just kind of looks at it. My guess is, Can I get eased into this game? Kentucky's without their Friday guy. They pitched it terribly this year anyway, despite having a decent lineup. Can I just get uh, through three innings having allowed one run or hell, even two runs? Can I get a zero, at one spot, and maybe another zero? And can I just get settled into this game? And so my offense is not going to the plate in the second inning down six, nothing or five, one or something like that. That's what I think Mike's thinking is. And, you know, if he thinks he can get by that way and then still have Johnson available and Doherty available to use in whatever capacity he wants to Ole Miss does need three games this weekend and no, they're not in a position to withhold starters or withhold their better pitchers to try to gamble, to take a Friday night game. But it's a little bit of a unique situation because of how poorly Kentucky's pitched it, them losing their Friday guy for the season. Like I just wonder if Ole Miss was playing I'm trying to just throw one out there. Arkansas and Connor Nolan is going on Friday. Is Bianco starting Dylan DeLucia or Brandon Johnson? I don't know the answer to that. Is it different? I tend to believe it might be different, but I don't know that answer for sure. And so, again, I think it's going to be a week-to-week thing for a couple weeks. They host Alabama next week. Ole Miss does. Antoine Jean, pretty good pitcher, is doing DeLucia the Friday guy next week. I guess it depends on how this week goes, but that's more of a Friday night guy that Alabama has on the mound. And So, does that change Mike's thinking? maybe. So I think this is going to be a week-to-week thing. I think Mike looked at Delucia as his best chance to get settled into a weekend, get some outs, and knowing that you don't have a Friday night guy on the other side had to factor into his thinking a little bit. So you may not love it, you may not fully understand it, but with as bad as the Ole Miss pitching staff has been and as bad as it's handicapped this team, is there a wrong decision when everything has gone wrong before? I don't think so. Here is. Colin Brister all right we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent Colin Brister here to discuss Ole Miss's rubber game three years in the making their win over the North Alabama Lions I think is what it is uh yeah that's exactly what it was that it printed gigantic on their jerseys 20 to 3 we'll go inning by inning what's up man
0: you got to – if you're South – or, excuse me, North Alabama, you got to kind of look in the mirror, right? Like, you, you, you come over here two years in a row and you get popped two years after, you know, stealing a game. So, don't you have to kind of look
1: in the mirror and see
0: if it's a you problem?
1: I think they do. I uh, I think they have to reevaluate where they are to program. They won in 2019, Kids Day game, 11,000. Most of those guys had not been on the stage like that before. Hopefully not since, unless they got way too close to a playground. But, like – I think you have to look yourself in the mirror and wonder: Is it an us problem? And I, I think it is. And we'll talk about where uh, North Alabama goes from there. The Rebels went twenty to three. I did get that bit is caught on. I got a couple of tweets from people asking if uh, Ole Miss overlooked Tennessee because what lied ahead on Tuesday. Well, um, it's kind of
0: kind of ironic that uh, you know the North Alabama game was lauded as maybe the worst loss in program history. After maybe the worst weekend in Mike – regular season weekend in Mike Bianco's tenure. <laughs> I
2: was
1: going to say, in terms of uh, if – we're going to co- compare the RPI of the two programs. I think, uh, I, think <laughs> I think North Alabama <laughs> – Tennessee's safe. Yeah, I think Tennessee's a little bit
0: safe. Well, um, like, my favorite part of when we had that discussion was like, we went and got North Alabama's RPI and it was like 298. And we were like, there has to be one. I was like, no, there's not. I promise you. Yeah, no, that,
1: that took took. The cake. they were like one in fourteen, and in their first years a D one program. Like I, I don't know how you could get worse than that. I don't remember what the actual number was, but I remember going up after that game trying to do the math and just be like, to hell with it." There are P I bomb. That's all you need to know. <laughs> it wasn't. No. Oh. Wasn't great, but hey, we did learn something yesterday, right? We and did. You could have watched. You could have not watched the pitch of this game and just caught the post game and looked at the box score. It's one of those, it's kind of what the midweek is, right? And still learn something. And uh, I think we did in a couple of different senses. And we'll, uh, I guess we'll just get right into it. I mean, I, I really have no comment on the game. Cal, we'll start, th- I guess if you want to start with something from the game, Calvin Harris came back, he's inserted into the lineup, plays left field. He hits a home run. He hits a double. I think he was like a triple shot si- shy of the cycle by the fourth inning. Um, Look, South Alabama, but that's good to see him swinging the bat. Well, after a uh, – would you call it a mysterious injury? It was all of a sudden he has a midsection strain. I don't even know what that is. I'm not sure what exactly that yeah, is. Yeah, it's,
0: it's kind of an abdominal deal, which you kind of just used to swing the bat. Um,
1: no, I mean, guys in the the
0: major leagues have them all the time. It's just it, – you it, there's really no timetable for it. So, it's kind of hard to put one on uh, when guys can come back. I remember a few years ago, Mike Trout missed three months with it um so just kind of just kind of a weird deal for sure but obviously for old to say glad he's back and glad he's look I know the pitching wasn't you know what they're gonna see this weekend or anything but it was still good to see him swing the bat well when he did come back
1: yeah man and it's a left-handed bat in the lineup to where I mean wouldn't you couldn't you say uh, well no sorry Evan, I was about to say it's their best two left-handed bats and I forgot about um who am I forgetting Gonzalez. Gonza. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, Anyway, Um, but two of the best three left-handed bats on the team. Like, it's not insignificant that he's back. And, you know, as they work towards – we talked a lot about, like, the lineup having a bunch of depth and, you know, the first weekend that um, Graham was out, they didn't really miss much of a beat. But, like, at the same time, I mean, look, you lose two guys like that. Uh, Small sample size aside, Calvin Harris hitting 572. And we're almost're in, <laughs> almost into April. It's like it definitely makes a difference. so you know anything helps with this team at this point, and that's obviously not the overarching storyline, but I think it will become one, and we can get to that in a second, but certainly good to see him uh see him back healthy and swinging it. I uh I'll throw something at you before um before we get to the Mike quote because I think that's part, probably the main storyline at that and kind of some Kentucky is probably the main things we'll hit. um so last night. 20 to three, probably not something you notice in a game uh, like that, but South Alabama, or excuse me, I would keep saying South Alabama. North Alabama stole at least three bases, maybe four, Um, and there were a couple wild pitches that probably could have been, I guess it's technically a pass ball because he touched it. Point being, Caden Dunhurst did not play well defensively, and that's now becoming a theme, and I don't know what you make of that, but as – Calvin Harris comes back into the lineup. He's not a guy with the way he's hit this year that you can sit. You know, I think this isn't an issue until Graham comes back, but are you ready to even broach the subject of giving Calvin Harris some time behind the plate? Because last night, Dunhurst, a couple of the throws, a couple of the missed balls in the dirt, and then he missed just one kind of that wasn't even really in the dirt. It doesn't look like himself, and he hasn't really looked like himself consistently since the whatever injury he had. Are you ready to broach that subject yet? no <laughs>
0: if you want me to be honest i i don't foresee them taking a mississippi kid out of the lineup in his draft year when he's going to be a first or second round pick um maybe that's just me um and if he you know if the batting average in the ops continues to kind of plummet maybe Um, uh, but i'm not there yet so so if the question is am i there yet no um if it continues into week five and six of SEC play, then maybe I'll be ready to have that conversation. I just think they're going to have a really hard time taking that kid from behind the plate um, with what he's got coming up in June. I'll kind of compare it to, to this. Do you remember in 20, was it 19? 2019 when Gray Kessinger's draft year? You know who the best shortstop on that team was, right? Yeah, Anthony Servidio. You know who played shortstop, right?
1: Gray Kessinger.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like – and look, Gray's a stud now. But Ant's, uh, Ant was, was really, really, really premiered defensively. And, um, you know, it just – you, you kind of got to do right by the kids. And, and, and I just kind of – I have a hard time seeing them take them off the field. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be. Um, but I just kind of have a hard time seeing that, especially right now.
1: Not even really a pushback, but, like, if Ole Miss had lined up in 2019, their most optimal defensive scenario, like you mentioned, uh, was obviously probably Anthony Servidio the better shortstop. Uh, and I'll talk about it, what if, not getting to see him play there at that full 2020 season it kind of sucks from a viewership standpoint, if nothing else. But, like, there wasn't a, a Kessinger stretch where he was just – unless, uh, I mean, look, uh, you get lost.
0: No, no. Remember, he was only playing because of his last name at the beginning of the year.
1: I was gonna try to find a way to work that reference in there, and I'm glad you just went right in and beat me to it. But like, there was no Kessinger, like a multi-error game followed like an air sure. streak or something like that, right? And look, it's a, it's a midweek game, but there has been a couple moments. What was the, which one of the games was it last week? And I, I, my memory is just going to complete shit, I guess at this point. But where it my, was Saturday? I, Crawled Dunhurst, right? Like, just really got after him.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry.
1: And look, I'm not. I'm not trying to like. I guess make something out of nothing there, but just you know, when you talk about this team in the long term lens with the way Calvin Harris is hitting, and Dunhurst is not been awful at the plate, but I mean, he's not necessarily tearing it up either. I'm just wondering if it ever gets to the point where that's a conversation because like I mentioned, when Kevin Graham comes back, Calvin Harris is going to have to find a place to play. And that opens up a larger discussion about how Mike, you know, really a lot of the moving parts he's going to have to work with. And we'll get into more of that in a second. But like it's if if Calvin Harris continues to hit that way at a certain point, you got to prioritize winning games. And I'm not saying bench Dunhurst permanently permanently but like maybe give Calvin Harris a couple looks behind the plate or something like that, because it's not like there's a ton of defensive drop off. Look, Calvin Harris is no Dunhurst, but Calvin Harris is also not some, you know um, who, who would I compare to like a Henry Lartigue where the kid just hit and he was good enough to maybe play catcher in first base. Like Calvin Harris is a, you know, probably the best backup catcher in college baseball. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, Yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't, Really, I mean, he's going to be the catcher next year, and I would suspect after his third year at Oxford, he, he is drafted fairly high as a catcher. Um, but I, I just – no, I'm not ready to go there yet. I just I, – I think Hayden Dunhurst's potential and what he does, and, and, and I'm one that believes he will play better uh, defensively over the next next few weeks. If if we're still having this conversation in two weeks, then I'll be ready to have it. Because, I mean I mean, you're not wrong. He's not played well defensively at times this year. Um, But I just I feel like he's got enough capital where he can he can weather that storm at least for a few more weeks, especially until Graham's back, which and I'll ask you about this. I don't feel like that's as imminent as maybe some people do. Maybe I, I still feel like he's probably what at least a week, maybe two away from being back.
1: So as we will record this, and there will probably be a little bit of overlap in terms of like what we talk about, like I basically inside baseball here, I talked to Chase for whatever, show. I don't know when they're publishing that show, but about an hour before. But the reason I bring that up is Chase mentioned he talked to some sort of doctor uh, who has like an actual degree, not just me pretending to be one on the radio and mentioned that he probably thinks Graham gets cleared sometime in the next two weeks. But when you're talking, when on your, to your point, when you're talking about it, not necessarily being, um, Imminent. Even if he's like cleared and ready to go, that's going to take some time for him to get back, like in the swing of things. Like even if he's fully healthy, so like say he plays after the Alabama series, what they got? They go to they go to South Carolina after that, right? Like right. he's Ready to play. I do think that will take him some time to acclimate. So I, I think what you're getting at a little bit is like even when he gets back, it's going to take him a couple more weeks to become Kevin Graham again.
2: Right. No.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. I just I, I i think he's probably going to be out at least two series, and then I, I mean, I think it's going to take time to get acclimated for sure. So, uh, I guess what I'm saying is that you know this Dunhurst conversation I don't feel like is is even uh, germane until at least he gets back. I don't I don't I don't really think that there's any you know any way he comes off the field. Frankly, I don't think there's any way he comes off the field this year. But I, I certainly don't until Kevin Graham gets back. I don't. I don't think they're gonna pull uh, pull him in that situation.
1: No, I'm with you on that sense. And like, it's 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 probably a little too early. But just with the way God uh, with the way Harris hit last night, and then that combined with Dunhurst not having the best defensive game, sure. I just kind of wanted to bring it up. And it wouldn't like I didn't even necessarily mean it in the sense of like hey, he's your catcher and Dunhurst rides the pine. Like, could you figure out a D8 situation? But to your point, kid's draft, you're doing right by the kid. If Harris is catching and Dunhurst is dh it's kind of like, all right, well, what are you really doing here, right? Yeah. Um, Until it becomes a liability. So I'm with you in that sense. I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it. But um, we'll get to the other part of it in a minute and how Mike shuffles this lineup around. You know, Ole Miss hits the ball pretty well. Again, whatever you make of the North Alabama pitching staff, I don't like their chances to get to Omaha. Do you know why I don't like their chances, though?
0: I i, I mean, I have plenty of reasons, but I'll let you go ahead and state yours.
1: I was going to say, what a question. I gave you a ton of t- – Why do you think <laughs> North Alabama won't make it to Omaha? <laughs> Aren't aren't they in like the second or third year of that stupid NCA promotion, promotion transition year? deal thingy? Yeah, where they're not allowed to. Play. I've never understood that. The um, what's that new D one school in basketball in Louisville like Bell, Bell
0: Army? They, yeah, they Bell won Army. their conference and They won their
1: conference. They can't play in that or the NIT. It's like a, you know, NCA all about the kids. But um, I, I don't like so. Technically, North Alabama was just playing with house money. They had no Omaha to play for, so do you factor that into the rubber game.
0: <laughs> True. That's true.
1: That's aside true. from the 20 to 3 win, and the Rebels kind of at least gaining. Look, I don't, after a weekend like Ole Miss had, I don't care if it was some sort of inner squad against the club baseball team that Ole Miss has. The ability to get back on the field, you know, hit the ball around the yard and kind of get back in the swing of things. And I guess walk off the field feeling good about yourself can't necessarily be discounted. But aside from that, there's really nothing to talk about when it comes from, from this game. Um, we'll probably just get let's go right into the quote that Mike Bianco had after sure. I'm I'm assuming you saw this, right? Um, I did. Yeah. So Mike Bianco was asked after the game about the state of the old miss pitching staff and really it's really the state of the rotation and kind of how he plans on figuring the rotation this weekend. And I don't know about you, but uh, you know, we're not the we're not the most uh we're not ones to shy away from criticizing Mike Bianco. No. I'll put it to you that way. But I actually thought this was a very I gave thoughtful.
0: him a lot of credit for that quote.
1: Yeah, I will on a couple fronts. So should I just read the quote? I know it's long, but in case sure. people haven't seen it. So Mike was asked about the rotation. Here's the quote. We haven't decided. We've talked about it as a staff and with the pitching staff, and it will be different. It will certainly be different. We haven't looked at the Kentucky stuff with this game looming and even a little bit of Memphis stuff ahead of ourselves. We'll make some type of announcement, but probably some TBAs in there. Certainly, we want to mention or list the Friday guy. It's not a secret. We've struggled in that. And one of the messages to the staff today, and I'll try to articulate it, is it doesn't matter who starts. At the end of the day, some of them have done well at some point, but the inconsistency with the three starters on the weekend and not averaging four innings. We're under four innings per start. And we need someone to grab the ball, get some outs, and pass the ball to the next guy. We have pitched it well out of the bullpen, and if you take away the one Auburn game, which is a third of the bullpen's runs, it's amazing how well the bullpen is pitched. Let's get past, and I'm not saying an opener or anything like that, but we have to get back to it. Doesn't matter. I know you guys, I know you guys, and you want to write, but it doesn't matter. It's 27 innings, and we have to win game one and put together and figure out a way figure out if a guy gives us three or four at the beginning, and maybe someone comes in just to face three hitters in the middle. We probably have to do a better job of setting that up and game planning to get through the game with our guys. We can pitch it pretty well, but we have to figure out how to get through the game. We haven't been able to do that through six conference games for sure. End quote. There's probably a couple of people out there thinking, man, that was long. I got confused halfway through what you need to know about this quote. And I thought the general gist of it is, and I'll turn it over to you to your thoughts on it was, He basically just kind of – like if there's a visual for this uh, or a meme, as the kids say, he just put up a blank canvas. I think what he said is he's willing to try anything and he's willing to do anything. And I think that – I won't say speaks volumes because, I mean, look, man, they've had one guy reach the fifth inning in six conference games. That's not going to fly. But the fact that Mike is willing to say that, something like that after just two SEC series, I think is telling. What did you think of this quote?
0: All right. I'm going to ask you this: When is the last time you followed Ole Miss baseball a long time? When is the last guy they sent a guy out there on Friday night that I'm not saying was dominant, but when's the last guy they when's the last time they sent a guy out on Friday night and he couldn't consistently get them to the sixth inning?
1: There was that James MacArthur year where he was yep, kind seventeen
0: of Friday got Past yeah. that 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 was it. Like like in twenty two years. That was it. Now it's two different conversations for me. It's like, okay, why do why does Ole Miss not have that guy? That that's a very fair conversation. But the reality is like they don't have that guy um, right now, at least. So what Mike has essentially said, and a hell of a lot of credit to him, is I got to figure out something, and and what we're doing is not working, and I am willing to try anything. I mean, he said, hell, he said opener. You ever
1: think, did you ever
0: think the word opener in, in reference to this would come out of Mike Bianco's mouth?
1: Nope. When, like, when that was getting big for the Rays back in 2018 or 2019, that was. I remember having a, uh, one of those half, uh, halfway serious kind of press box debates, I'm sure, in the middle of some slog of a four-hour game. What are the percentage odds that Mike knew what an opener was? <laughs> Hell, he's, he's, he's pretty close to drawing one. I matter think you a good I've point got there, I've though. You the to... literally said the phrase "opener" is 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 probably the best way to encapsulate how open minded he's being. I think matter knows. of
0: fact, I have the best opener in the history of openers ready to go for Ole Miss this weekend. Who do you think? And and, and you, this is the answer I think might surprise you. Who do you think would be Ole Miss's best option to get through the lineup the first time? Derek Diamond. That would be correct. Would you like to know what Derek Diamond's uh, numbers are the first time through the order? Yes, I would. All right. He has an ERA of 1.54, a whip of 0.69, and people have an OPS of 442 against him the first time through the order. Would you like to know the second time through? Yes. He has a 7.95 ERA, a 1.4 whip, and an OPS against of 785.
1: The second part didn't sound as good.
0: <laughs> I mean, just, you know, the first part sounds like a dang dominant Friday night guy. But the reality is, like, he, he's not. And he's consistently not good the second time through the order. So what you have to do if you're five and those guys is like, say, hey, this guy's consistently getting us through the order the first time. We have to go figure out. And it is our job to go figure out how the hell we're going to get through the second, third, maybe a fourth time. Um, because what we're doing right now clearly isn't working. Um, and a lot of credit to Mike. You know, look, Mike takes a lot of flack on, I mean, from fans, from us, and and I don't know if Mike Bianco does this three years ago. He might just keep trying to fit that square peg into a round hole. But I think there's been a lot of signs over the last two years that Mike is trying to adapt to the modern age of college baseball and baseball just in general and and I do think that you know the look he's kind of his, his hands kind of been pressed too but I do think he has shown that he is going to try any and everything to get this rotation thing fixed
1: No you, ne- you yeah no you're you're right on with that and we we look this is how I know we're fair we love to poke fun at Mike we you know after the state game last year we crushed him we just really I, the A&M game is the one that came second where we just sat on and we're like I don't know <laughs> what do you say at this point? But for all the flack and all the jokes and kind of ribbing we give him, this is how I know we're fair, is that we had been on it this for, you know, I mean, not to pat ourselves in the back, for like a year and a half. Like, the the, the narrative of Mike doesn't adapt is in terms of – It's in not the game fair. Stuff, it's not accurate, right? I mean, you, we, we talked about this a couple of times this year. He started Taylor Broadway in game three of the Super Regional. He put their best pitcher, his closer, who had been their closer the entire season out first to give them their best chance to win against an ungodly looking lineup, particularly at that point in the year in Arizona. Now it didn't work and you know, no one will ever remember that in whatever chapter that becomes of Mike Bianco's old Miss career, but he's willing to adapt and he's willing to be flexible and not to get too specific with it, but as we can get into what we think the rotation will be, I wrote a couple of theories in Monday night's newsletter and all that, but The fact that – I didn't think about this until you mentioned that he said the word opener. Do you think the stats you just listed about Derek Diamond the first time through the order versus the second time through the order, do you think that's why in the back of his mind he has the whole opener thing in mind? Like, do you view that as a possibility?
0: Uh, Yeah. With with Derek, I certainly do. Um, Because there was something else he said maybe with Derek um on Sunday when they talked about his performance. He was like, Yeah, he was really good the first time through, and the second time through, they got after him a little bit. And then you kind of go look at those numbers. He mentioned the name opener, and it's just I kind of feel like that's where they're headed on Sunday. And another thing in that statement that, and, and this is gonna be hard for some people, and I understand it. The the thing he mentioned was we want to win on Friday night, right? We we gotta figure out how to win on Friday night. What what that kind of tells me. And I know it's kind of hard to, to envision this after the offensive weekend on this had last weekend. But Mike essentially to me is saying, if we can win on Friday night, our offense will handle it on Saturday and Sunday. I, I think that is – and I think that's kind of fair. Um, again, I get they were awful last weekend. I don't anticipate them being awful this weekend or really any other weekend to come. But I, I think he's just like, hey, if I can figure out a way to win on Friday night, these cats that are taking these aluminum bats up there, uh on saturday and sunday my god they can figure out a way to win one more game
1: and and i kind
0: of think he's right
1: yeah i'm with you in that sense right and so if they look you, you as we talked about on sunday kentucky just lost their friday night guy if we're sitting here on sunday evening doing this and the lineup sunk again that's when it becomes a storyline oh yeah which is why i think this is kind of a weirdly important weekend but i i we can you know we're we can get to that later or if it actually happens, but I, I'm with you. I tend to think this lineup will go, is going to hit. And so I think he's right because you think about it from the standpoint of last week, Gaddis gives up the, the sixth spot in the second after uh, striking out the side in the first, oddly enough. And on a Friday night like that with a kid like Chase Burns throwing, was Ole Miss completely out of the game with is what we thought the offense was, you know, the last week in because we didn't know what was going to unfold yet. Were they completely out of it? No, but I don't really care how good your offense is. If you're down 6 nothing in the second inning on Friday night in the SEC, it's going to be a really, really tough uphill climb. And so I guess I say all that to say is the week before, they spotted their Friday starter four runs. When this offense spots a guy uh, – I'm talking about the Auburn series, right? Four runs right. in the first two innings. Look, if Ole Miss puts up four runs in the first two innings on any game one in any series in the SEC, that should be, in a normal year, something that they – like. I'm going to give them an 80% chance to win that game. And that just hasn't yeah. been the case. They didn't take advantage of it. It was 4-4 after two innings. And so they've been so bad on the mound, particularly on Fridays, that it's not even really giving them a chance. And I think that's part of – like, I think you're right on with that. To where I think that's part of what he's getting at of, like, look, if we can figure this Friday thing out, we can probably kind of piece this together just okay, hoping the offense hits. And I think that's probably the best-case scenario with this team right now. And so. Yeah, with all that, all right. yeah, go ahead.
0: So, so you sent me a text message last night and I expect that you, you did some investigative reporting and have figured out if Brandon Johnson is starting on Friday or not. Have you done that investigative
1: reporting? Yeah, so I think I, I I think this made the message board because I think Chase was uh, there. I sent most of you on the same text. I was like, "Look, I think that's Brandon Johnson behind him charting pitches." It was. I just it Johnson. was. Yeah. So I don't know how that works. So for those of you out there that are wondering what the hell we're talking about, I imagine most of our listeners understand. So the on weekends, the next day starting pitcher charts pitches in the start before he sits behind Mike with a little clipboard. I don't even. What does actually charting pitches consist of? Does it vary by team? Like what is that? Um, vary-
0: I don't know what Ole Misses is, but I can tell you what we do is, like, the first, like, we have a chart, and it's the first time the guy comes up, we write what we threw him, where the pitch was, what he did. And so I, I'd assume it's essentially the same thing. They maybe have Velo on there, too. Uh, but I think it's just a way to keep up with, all right, I threw the hey, this guy first pitch curveball, might not need to do that again, that type of thing.
1: And so, the, the thing – so, for Ole Miss, the next day starting pitcher usually does it. I don't – is that a common practice across the SEC? Is that pretty standard? Because that would seem like a mental exercise to keep the next day starting pitcher mentally engaged in the game. Sure.
0: And, and how it might probably wants to attack that lineup.
1: Right. And so, I don't really know what to make of it. It could literally be nothing because, right, Ole Miss is not playing – North Alabama on Friday Ole Miss probably wouldn't need to chart pitches against North Alabama and they could probably still be okay but just in terms of the sheer ritual and the habit of all of it Brandon Johnson was holding a clipboard and you know you meant you kind of went straight there on Sunday of look I'm there you know he needs to be the guy that pitches on Friday or just inserted in the rotation in some form I don't know what to make of that but you know, Mike has that quote and he mentioned there'll probably be some TBAs, but like gun to my head, do you think Brandon Johnson starts on Friday night? Cause I kind of do.
0: You do. Um, you I don't? think I'd take the field. Okay. Um, I, but I don't know. I'm not going to say for hundred percent. Sure. I'm right. Um, I don't know. I, I did think that was interesting that Mike said. So I thought about it and, and I, at first, I was like, wow, that's interesting. He wants to name a Friday night guy. And then I, I got to thinking about it more and more. Mike's not the guy to, like, kind of skirt the rules and try to, like, screw someone over. I think he just wants to name a Friday night guy because he thinks that's what's fair to Kentucky. You know what I mean?
1: Like, He's I don't very think he traditional wants- in that sense. He's not a huge TBA guy. Through the years of covering this and being around him, he, he doesn't do the whole – one name, no, no. Granted, he he probably will do it this weekend. I think Mike over under one and a half names, Mike names in the game notes. Do what now? Over under one and a half name, Mike. Like some people, most people may be listening to this even after it's a after the starters have been announced. So this may end up being moot, depending on when we decide to publish this. But like over under on the names in terms of the three rotation slots, Mike publish publishes you know, for the game notes or wherever you post Ooh. that elsewhere. I mean, it's, it's under one and a half, right? They're naming one. Yeah. It's four. one and a half.
0: I'm half. I'm I'm going under too. So yeah, I think one.
1: Right. So the point being like, I think Mike's not necessarily got to do that just to kind of like, like you mentioned, like throw some sort of camouflage or some sort of gimmicky smoke screen. He's very traditional in that sense. And so that's when, you know, when Mike puts up TBA, he doesn't know. And so if they go, you know, X Friday guy, whether it's Johnson or whomever else on a, and then go tba tba that that's honestly really telling that he really doesn't know how this is going to roll just yet and so you you're taking the field who else do you think it would be
0: it's a really good question um john gaddis has to be in there okay i just um,
1: can you really run him out there on friday or is that if you do is that because it's kentucky without their friday guy
0: yeah, I mean, I'm not. The more the more I talk, the more I'm talking myself into it being Brandon Johnson. Um, the only other candidate's Jack Doherty. I think. I mean, I don't know how you can justify anybody else, um, unless he's just going to start doing this this you know pitch by committee thing on Friday night um, with Diamond and the crew. But I would crap. You've talked me into. I think it might be Brandon
1: Johnson on Friday night. It just the more and more I think about it, it's like I don't I don't want to do the whole I don't know who else it would be and then this comes out and then I call get a load of this asshole. Like I, I I'm not certain by any means, but like if it's not Gaddis, I'm just I'm really not sure who else it would be. And you have to think Mike's looked at what Brandon Johnson has I hate to I don't mean this as a slight to Johnson, what is he has accomplished and what he's done for this team this year and thought, hmm, this is not maximizing his value. And I just think I mean, if it's if it's not Johnson, is he throwing on Saturday or Sunday? Like, would that make a ton of sense? If it's not so, Johnson on Friday, is he still in the bullpen? All right, I, I don't – no. Um,
0: I don't know how you can deem him a starter and he's not your Friday guy. Maybe. Maybe it's just the fact that he's not started a game yet, but like – he, he's the only guy with Friday night stuff. Just Man, like, if, if he's going to start, you might as well run your best guy out there first. If you deem that, hey, this cat's not going to be my closure this weekend, he's going to start, well, I, I don't really understand how there's justification that he's not your Friday guy.
1: And so we talked about him going back to the drawing board and that quote we just read about him obviously being open to anything. When you're that open and you're kind of looking at it from square one with the blank canvas, I think was the um, metaphor I used to is it like, don't you go with your fighting guy there? I your best arm? Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't really know how you can
0: justify not doing that. If you say your goal is, hey, I gotta figure out a way to win this game on Friday, who the hell else are you throwing besides beat uh besides Brandon Johnson? I I just you know, I, I don't Now I will say this. I think if you're gonna put Brandon Johnson in the rotation, that you probably need to have a guy like Jack Gordy closing games. Um so you know, I don't, I don't know really how you, how you maneuver that, but um, yeah, I, I think if you're going to move him with a rotation, it just makes sense that he's your Friday
1: guy. I'm with you there. um, And I think that's an interesting way to look at it too, is they kind of piece this thing together. And I think they will go TBA, TBA, because I think what happens on Friday will largely depend on who starts Saturday and Sunday. And, you know, Chase made this point a uh, while uh, earlier when we were talking, it's like, this could be a thing for a couple weeks to where they do, you know, if it's Johnson or whomever else, Friday, TBA, TBA, and just try to figure it out throughout the course of the weekend. But I do think it's an interesting way to look at it, like you said earlier. If it's Johnson in the rotation, doesn't that mean – I guess it doesn't have to mean this, but don't you think Doherty probably comes out unless you make Maddox the closer? It just seems like if Johnson goes out because Doherty's been out and then slotted in, right? They were both out to start the year. It feels like you have to keep one of them in there on the back end. It's just a high VLO guy that you know will attack, attack hitters can, can close out a game for you. Because, you know, the whole value of putting Johnson as your Friday guy or just putting him in the rotation in general, like that's all kind of moot if you're a disaster on the back end.
0: Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, so so yeah, no, I think you, I think if if you do put uh Johnson in the rotation, Doherty goes out. I am sitting here in my head thinking how Ole Miss is going to get twenty-seven innings worth of outs this weekend, right? Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah.
0: It's it's at least so. Here's the thing, for Ole Miss to be at its best, I feel like Brandon Johnson needs to get you at least five innings, right? Like I, I think your best pitcher probably needs to get you at least five, right?
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you there, and that's the, and it's it's a product of just where they're at as a team. Is that's the other kind of I don't I'm, look. I don't think Michael have any hesitancy about it, but Brandon Johnson got nine outs for the first time in his career on Sunday.
0: Yeah, like um, I think
1: he can do it, but the fact that you haven't seen it is is kind of uh is kind of an interesting nugget. But yes, I I think you're correct. I think he has to go five.
0: Okay. Derek Diamond can give you two. I think he can give you two solids. So there's seven. So now I got to get 20 more innings. Man, that's a hell of a lot of innings for guys you haven't really. You know, Jack Doherty, I think he maybe give you three on a week, and that's 17. And now I got to get 17 innings from cats that I don't really know. You know, I mean, you, you, you've seen Hunter Elliott, you've seen Riley Maddox, you've seen Mason Nichols, you've seen Dylan DeLucia. Um, but man, that's a that's a lot of innings for guys that just you know, are either newcomers or guys that haven't produced within their time in the program. So, um, you know, we, we can talk – I guess what I'm trying to say is we can talk about, you know, moving Brandon Johnson to Friday night. And, and, and is that going to help? Yeah, I think so. There's still a hell of a lot more work you got to get done besides that, though, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. And that last guy you just named amongst that group of either guys that haven't produced and don't trust them or newcomers. I mean, who's been the outseater so far? You talk about trying to get to 27, uh, 20 or 20, get 27 innings, like through the course of a weekend, what Delusia got you like six and two thirds or six and a yeah. three inning. And I know that was a product of the situation, but like, he's probably got to be a guy that gets you five. I have no idea what that looks like. That's also a guy you probably can't totally discount of, being started. in rotation, I'll throw you a theory, just because we're going all over the place here. If Diamond is, quote, unquote, an opener or just a one-time-through-the-order guy in both games, doesn't that feel like Delucia comes behind him and it's like, hey, man, we're oh, like like, out of you? I like that. It just feels yeah. like a defense, right? Yeah,
0: no, I mean, you can get a get Diamond, gets you, like, 2.1 innings, bring in a, a, a Delucia. They kind of did this against Oral Roberts in the second game. Um, yeah, no, I like that. And and maybe kind of piggyback it and maybe Doherty's still available and can finish it off on the on the back end. No, I like that a lot. Um and, and I think Mike will. Um I think they, they they know the numbers about guys first and second times through and I think they'll have some quick hooks. I mean, he all but admitted that they're gonna have game plan better to see who can get, you know, who can get you five outs, who can get you eight outs, that type thing. So, um no I like that idea a lot I I think that could really really play
1: and look it's 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 there's really any combination it's like it almost reminds me of like the NBA the ESPN has that NBA trade machine
2: and
1: it's literally based off of just like somewhat player value and somewhat like do the contracts work and you plug all these random names in the machine it's like yeah that works that's kind of where you're at with this whole Miss baseball team because there's not a whole lot of like no you can't do that like I mean, outside of just being like, you know, West Burton gets you six. Like, I don't think you can do that. But, like, aside from some extremes, it's really all things on the table. And I think the part of uh, – I'm glad you hit up, reiterated the whole Mike saying that – because there's so much in that quote. And I'm glad you hit on the part of Mike saying we have to manage the game better. I don't think that's any one ounce of him saying we've done a bad job as a coaching staff. Now, look, there's probably people out there listening thinking he has. That's not really the point of this. I think he looks at it and thinks, Hmm, we have like five, six guys that have pitched fairly well for us this year, but the end result is a complete disaster. We may need to like, well, not may need. we definitely need to revisit how we're going about this. And I think that part of the quote is what makes this whole pitching ordeal. Um, So fascinating because it's not like – look, let's compare last year's bullpen to this year's pitching staff. It's not like there's zero options. Remember last year before the Doherty and Johnson thing, it got to a point to where like after the starter left and before Broadway, that section it was like I literally have no idea who can get outs. They have options there. It's just a matter of like when you throw in the factor of can they start that kind of throws a wrench in things versus a lot of them being newcomers. So it's a very fascinating dynamic, and I think that's why Mike said he needs to manage the game better and figure it out because there are options there, and that's probably why I have some semblance of optimism for this team is they've had dudes that have gotten out. They just haven't gotten value out of them.
0: I think that's a really good way to put it. Um, They've they've got to do a better job of getting the most value out of the guys they trust the most. Um, And and I think, frankly – there's been times in Mike's tenure that, that I've looked at him and, and like, I don't understand what he's doing. And then he kept doing that thing that I didn't understand um, or, or the fan base doesn't understand. But I do think the fan base looks at it as like, you know, how is Brandon Johnson, you know, throwing in games that are either over or we're behind. Um, and Mike probably looked at it on Monday and was like, How is Brandon Johnson throwing in consequential winnings? Right. Um, you know, so. I, I I think sometimes Mike does things uh, that that maybe you know people don't understand or or, or whatever. Uh, but I think I think Mike's you know thought process with that and 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 with the fan base pretty much lined up. It's like we we have to figure out how to throw this cat in you know innings that matter. Uh, hey, real quick, this will take less than than forty five seconds. Do you remember four years ago? when the guy got on Sports Center and, like, had the epic tirade about what are we doing when when America failed to reach the World Cup. Taylor Twellman. Yeah, well, he won't be doing that tonight. Oh, uh, America is officially back in the World Cup.
1: That's awesome. No, we're, that, that's fine. We can pivot there for a second. We're a big deal. We're a huge soccer podcast. <laughs> I don't know if you heard, we're a huge deal overseas um, from the soccer corner, Well, and I cultivated. So, we're in. So, I knew after they – right, they beat the hell out of Panama – yeah, and that kind of basically sealed the deal. Barring, I read something if they lost like five zero or six one in Costa Rica. If they lost
0: six by six goals tonight, they would have uh, they would have been in trouble. But they only lost by two, so America is going to Qatar next November.
1: Is that the most American soccer thing of all time? Look, I know like soccer, you have to play for results in aggregate sometimes, but is it the most American soccer thing of all time to lose by two goals and be like, hell yeah, we're going to the World Cup, boys. Oh, people are like pumped, man. They have not at all. Like I get it, right? Like I mean, look, it would have been an absolute embarrassment to miss the World Cup two times in a row. I was reading a decent uh, – I have no idea how I stumbled onto this, but I was reading an athletic piece on, like, Italy missing it for the second time in a row. That's super embarrassing, right, for a country like that.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That really, really cares about soccer. I mean, I think America cares, but not like Italy, obviously.
1: Yeah, they're best of the best and not are not playing soccer. So good for the uh good for the United States. Look, I'm not the biggest soccer guy. I've tried to get more into it. I find the Premier League fascinating, but even not being the biggest soccer guy, I always when America's in the World Cup, it is fun Absolutely. Watching, sitting down watching for ninety minutes and just rooting for the United States. So team. so so here's here's the question. They're going to play the games at
0: 12 a.m., 2 a.m., and 4 a.m. How, you are going to figure out a way to be able to watch, or how are we going to manage that? Those,
1: that's when all the games are going to be?
0: Yeah, it's in Qatar, man. The, the top difference is hell.
1: So... <laughs> Maybe this is the snobby American me. Yeah, yeah, what's yeah, the upside just- to going to Qatar? Like you had a bunch of dudes die building the stadium. There's a gigantic human rights crisis. It's being played in December because of how hot it is there. Someone told me, and I look, I get FIFA. There's all kinds of cor- the corrupt stuff, and there may have been corruption in the bidding for there. But just base level, what's the upside of being like, hey, let's go play this soccer in Qatar? What is the upside to that?
0: Yeah, I got nothing. Like, I mean, it's it's FIFA and it's corrupt. But, yeah. You know,
1: I'm just curious. I'm curious if there's an element I'm missing. Where it's like, well, you don't understand. Like, the grass over there is pretty sick. Like, I it's, I, I think
0: there will be some games that are like at decent times, but no, it's uh, it's pretty bad. Which that kind of sucks for uh, you know, uh, the the growth of American soccer. It's like, you know, uh, the the biggest tournament in the world. You know. Four years ago, you don't – you you know, America doesn't give it in, and then this time you're going to play at four in the morning. Um, so, uh, no, I was actually a little wrong. It's 5 a.m., 8 a.m., uh, and 11 a.m. So, still – but it kind of sucks because it's during the workday. But whatever. Um, but, no, um, I, I said we'd take less than 45 seconds. But I, I am genuinely happy for American soccer tonight.
1: And one thing you gotta factor in with that too is that's being played in December, and you know i am not to steal a big cat part in my take theory. He has his theory that no one works in December after Thanksgiving It's just like all right, that's fair. See, see you next year now to, to a degree, like I try to ha- hoard all my vacation days as soon as like for as much as I can to take that last week of the year off to make sure from Christmas to the new year. I don't have to like go yeah. The office or whatever. So like, I feel like people have some some flexibility with that. So that might help it a little. And then look when you get to like the championship side of it, right? You mentioned an eight AM time slot and eleven. Like the if Ole Miss, it, Ole Miss, good God, if same colors. If USA makes it out of the group stage, right? They're like, you know, was it elimination round? What do you call that?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, knockout stage.
1: Knockout stage. Those will be like non-ungodly hours. Like it won't be normal, but those will be like you know 8, 11, something like that.
0: Yeah, if they play uh, America – because this is Eastern time, so I guess it would be 4 a.m., 7 a.m. If they play America in a knockout stage game at 4 a.m., I am going to be one mad human being.
1: That makes two of us. That has been talking soccer here on the podcast. <laughs> the United States. We
0: better get back to Kentucky before we uh, get turned <laughs> that, off.
1: That new generation is coming. So, we've kind of covered this pitching thing from a couple of different angles, and I'll, I'll, I'll cl- close with this. Because we already got into the developmental part of it, and we talked through that on Sunday. And look, you, there's probably a larger conversation to be had for that about that at the end of the day. I'll just pose it to you: just best guess, gun to your head. Again, by the time some people are listening to this, depending on when this publishes, this may be completely moot. But gun to your head, who is the rotation this weekend? Crap,
0: I didn't <laughs> think it. I didn't think it at first. <laughs> I, I, I think so. I, I, I'll say this um i'll i'll go with you with with johnson on friday um but i genuinely do think this i think mike is going to go johnson tba tba and he'll go saturday and sunday with what is available um i i I, I don't think he's going to say this is my guy on saturday this is my guy on sunday frankly i'll just be honest i don't think anybody's good enough right now to do that yeah um so, I just think they'll figure out who the hell's available on Saturday and Sunday, and they'll roll them out there. I think maybe Johnson, TBA, Diamond, maybe what he sends out.
1: Yep. And this is something we talked about uh, – Chase and I talked about a minute ago. The, um, he framed it in an interesting way. He said it feels like – at the end of this, that's probably a better way to ask this, and I'll pitch it back to you after this. What does this rotation look like when it's, quote, unquote, solved, if it gets solved? And Chase mentioned that it feels like it is Johnson, a freshman, and then uh Diamond. And I thought that was a really in on that. I mean, interesting way to look at it. The only this wasn't a pushback, but the only alternative I was going to offer to that, it's either that or Johnson Gaddis Diamond, right? Because look, Johnson I and mean, uh Gaddis has struggled on Fridays. I never thought it was totally fair that he was thrust into that role. I understood why it happened at the time, but there was just no way I saw that guy getting out that consistently on Friday nights and game ones in the SEC. Is there a world where he's a good Saturday guy? I'm still willing to leave the door open on that. If he figures out some of the fastball command stuff, because he does throw a breaking ball for a strike and like, look, UCF's not an SEC lineup, but they were no schmucks. And he kind of dominated them there's a world where he's still a good Saturday guy. And so I'll leave it to that to where it does feel like either it's Johnson freshman diamond or Johnson Gaddis diamond, right? Like, does that feel Uh,
0: like- May I present you one more option? Yes, go ahead. Johnson Delusia diamond. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I can't, I, I, I I can't, um, I can't push back on that. Oh, I think that would be a decent option. Like, I don't know because- statistically delusious had such a strange year and a lot of like his numbers and this is where you get into the college baseball small sample size stuff is kind of skewed off a pretty bad outing in a midweek against arkansas state but like that stuff plays and that stuff can get people out and so no i'm with you i don't think that's a uh, I don't think that's a uh, a bad theory at all and then we just talked about how it's all back to the drawing board and then we just like penciled in that it feels like two of them are set which is like <laughs> I don't know there's so we could talk about this for two hours all night right the way they could go for it but like wrapping it up I think the the because again this could be announced by the time a lot of people listen to this I just think it's uh both telling and I'll give Mike some credit to this point after two series when the calendar is still in March to just say hey we're open to anything to get through 27 innings on a weekend I thought that was um I thought that was telling and I thought that was a good mindset to have you know like I said People probably right now don't necessarily want to hear Mike Bianco pat him on the back. And I'm not necessarily know if I'm patting him on the back. We're not scared to crush the guy when the time warrants it. But I thought that was a proper way to handle it. And the last thing I'll push it to you with is in all the years I was there, Mike will give you good answers sometimes. But he's, I've never once clipped a Mike Bianco quote like Chase did last night where he gave you a long, winding answer beyond the question you asked. And to me, that felt like Mike trying to get a message out to the general public, the fan base, whomever, that he is willing to try anything that he recognizes is a problem. Like the sheer length and depth of the quote beyond just giving a decent answer, I thought was telling in the sense that he wants to get this fixed. And I think he wants people to know that he's open to do anything to get this fixed, like Did you make anything of just the sheer fact that Mike kind of had, like, a long soundbite, if that makes sense? He's not really a guy to do such a thing. I I didn't think about that, but that's a really good point.
0: Um, Because, you know, we've both been in those media scrums, and 95% of the time it just feels like he's ready to get out of there, right? Um, Oh,
1: 100%. And, like, even when he gives you good answers, it's not, like, a long paragraph like that. No, and and he kind of gave a
0: pretty long one with Calvin Harris last night, if I remember correctly. So, um, no, I think he – I think that's fair. Um, look, I think Mike is a guy that you know he he talks about insulating himself and and all of this stuff, and, and and I think for the most part that's true, but i think I think it would be almost insane for him to not know that people were extremely extremely pissed off at him on Sunday at five thirty um. You know, I, I don't know how you can insulate yourself that much. I guess is what I'm saying. So no, that that wouldn't shock me if if he was trying to get a message out and be transparent with his fan base for sure.
1: No, I'm with you there. Um, now I will add if there's a man that could insulate themselves that much from the outside world, um, he is the the number one seed, and I'm not even sure who else fills out a bracket. But I'm with you. I think he knows. I think he understands. And I think that was a uh, you know, if you look back and they figured this thing out, I think you know, and you're going to give Mike his kudos. It's, uh, I think that's a moment you look back on and think.
0: Hey, um, I will say this. Um, look, it, it's it wasn't this severe. But two years in a row in 21 and 19, Mike kind of had to figure it out, didn't he? Like, like when they went and got their ass kicked at Tennessee, they kind of had to figure it out in Hoover to host that regional and get to a super regional. And last year, Gunner goes down. Um, you know, he misses the LSU start. Pitches against South Carolina, really doesn't pitch against State and m and is out for the year. And they kind of had to figure it out then, and they kind of did. Um, you know, I guess what I'm saying is, like, look, it's never been this severe from a pitching standpoint when we talk about the rotation and it's inadequacies. Um, but I, I do think there is something to be said with, like, hey, there has been some adversity that the last two teams have had to fight through and, and give them credit from a coaching staff and from a – from a team and, and mental toughness and all that, um, they kind of did. So, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see, but it wouldn't be the first time that an Ole Miss baseball team, um, you know, kind of went through some some real adversity and was able to kind of put it behind them and, and work it out.
1: You're correct in that sense. And the last thing, if you really want to get kind of uh, uh, psychologically analyzing Mike and what was meant by that quote and all of that, I'll, I'll offer this one more, one more piece of it is remember in 19 when they left the – they left. They got swept by State, and they lost the first two at Tennessee. And granted, they won the third game. But that team entered Hoover in a really bad way. And we, we've talked about this ad nauseum. And But what did that team do? Like, Mike loosened up and let them loose, right? And last night, Chase had some other – Chase put it out that, like, he was joking about Mike's beard and Mike shaving. And Mike kind of, like, shrugged and apparently like grinned. and was like, you know, after a weekend like that, I figure you got to shave it. We got to try something different. That's not what Mike Bianco – would have said, and you know, if they're the if they look if they're riding high at six and zero, and somebody was like, "Hey, man, you shaved your beard," he'd be like, "Who is this guy, and why does he have a credential?" Like Mike relaxed a little bit, and it sounded like he was in a decent mood last night. And coming off a weekend like that, that's not necessarily when you would catch uh, number five in a decent mood. And I guess I I mentioned all of that to say this: when the pressure and you talk about him being insular and whether he feels the heat, the last two times he's kind of felt the heat and known what's at stake and kind of known what's staring you know, what he's staring down the pipe and what's down the barrel of that gun, he's kind of loosened up and not been his usual self in a way. And I don't want to say the word rigid because people will misconstrue that with his tactics and managerial decision. I just mean kind of uptight. And he seemed loose in the way he answered that question and loose about the lightheartedness with the beard and stuff. And I know I'm reading too much into it, but you talk about whether he feels the pressure and kind of knows it. The last two times, you know, he's been really up against it he's loosened up and i don't know if there's a pattern there but i wouldn't be shocked if there was no i
0: think that's completely fair um we'll see um you know look you can be as loose as you want to be and I, and I, I do think that you know there is some aspect of that but if your pitching staff still sucks they still suck yeah um, you got to execute so yeah you got you got to go play well um you know and look I, i'm still there, there's a lot of people that push back. It's like, I don't really know if Mike can figure out the rotation. You know, everybody, I've seen people, and some of it's fair. It's like there's been rotations he didn't figure out. 2017, he didn't figure out a rotation. Um, you know, and in and, and 20, uh, I believe it was uh, 2010, he kind of didn't figure out a rotation. Um, 2000, 2011, kind of did. I get it, but I just kind of tend to believe that the guy that's been in uh, the league 22 years will will be able to figure it out. We'll see um but i'm i'm willing to give him at least a few more weeks before i before i kind of freak out over the rotation especially when i think this offense is going to perform and i think they're going to perform this weekend so i think this i think frankly how old this performs this weekend comes down to how well they pitch the best ball
1: absolutely and honestly that's a decent transition they're also going to have to hit because the other part of this is this is not necessarily going to be a short-term fix like i don't I could be wrong about this, but I don't think that Ole Miss leaves this weekend and being like, yep, this is the rotation and this is what we're rolling with into Alabama. I think this is going to be um, a work in progress and that's a, that's a hell of a place to be three weekends into the SEC yeah. with the So high, and with everything that's on the line this season. But I do think that's the case. I just think that's the simple reality that this is probably is a work in progress. But I do think the schedule will help them out with that, right? They get a Kentucky team who's really not very good. That's a team that's desperate to make a regional. They've made a gajillion errors. They're coming off a huge series win against Georgia, but they lost their Friday night guy last weekend for the year. Not a great team. Alabama is like you know, who they get the next weekend after that is, you know, you could argue nine, ten pitches away from being four and two with series state and Florida, but they're two and four, and they're not a great team. And so – I guess my point being is is the schedule kind of allows them some leeway to do that, but I think that turns the shoulder on the offense because if the offense scores five runs in a weekend or seven runs or whatever it was like they did the past weekend, then they're going to be in a world of hurt. Like It's almost <laughs> like the schedule allows them for it, but it's also the fairest thing in the world to where, look, if you're good and your offense is good, you should score enough runs to allow this pitching staff to figure out over the next two weeks against Kentucky in Alabama.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a really good way to put it. Um you're not gonna get you shouldn't get dominated by Kentucky and Alabama pitching. Um, give your coaching staff, give your rotation a chance to get it settled um, and 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 that way when you roll into Columbia here in three weeks or two weeks, um you kind of know what you're going up against so I, I think that's a really good way to put it. You're not gonna get overwhelmed. I don't think we'll have velocity from anybody from Kentucky and uh from Kentucky and Alabama. We'll see. Um but I I don't expect anybody to throw 98-99 at you all night long. Um, but you know, it'll it'll be, you know, going on the road in a in a series like this against Kentucky, who who has played well at times this year, um, will be a challenge. So it's uh it's a big weekend for Ole Miss, that's for sure. They they outside of winning at least two, um could be a really, really tricky situation come Sunday if they win any less than two.
1: Yeah, for sure, because uh, it's a um, it, it it's 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 fair in that sense. Like, I, that's what the kind of the beauty of the next two weeks is for Ole Miss. It's like, look, if you are a good team and you play well, you will come out with a minimum of four wins. They would really be look. I'm not anticipating them to sweep on the road. That's hard to do in this league. But like, they would like if they got five. I guess that would be you know if they're sitting at seven and five, then you're kind of back in business. Yeah,
0: I, I think frankly, yeah, I think they need to do that. I think I think twelve and or excuse me um seven and five I think that's the record you need to go for the next two weeks and and that way you've put yourself and and at seven and five you look it's a missed opportunity at that point but you've kind of it would have been hard for me as an Ole Miss fan not to take seven and five out of the gate I mean frankly that's winning you know what three or your four first four series when you play um you know a Tennessee team at home and two road series yeah I, w- I would have taken seven and five so I think if if you're on Miss, you know if you want to negate what happened last weekend, uh, the good goal is to figure out a way to go five and one over the next six for sure.
1: Yep, you're right in that sense. And like, if you're six and six, then you're sitting there, you're still in okay shape, right? If you yeah, win you're fine. Two series and take two out of three, you're still in okay shape, and you're like, well, how does this six and six instead of seven and five? It's that you didn't take a game at home against Tennessee, and you're gonna have to make that not have to, but like, you know, that's something you're gonna have to make up if you kind of want to stay on that trajectory. Looking at the Kentucky Wildcats. They lose the Cole stop uh, for the year um, with some sort of – what was the injury he had against Georgia last week? I don't even I know. don't
0: know what
1: happened against
0: Georgia. I do know he had some back issues earlier in the year. Um, not sure if that's what set him down for the year
1: or not. This is a club regardless, so they're missing their Friday night guy. And that's significant because we just talked about, like, the offensive point of this and the importance of this offense. This is a team that is not <coughs> – They've been an okay offense. They actually get on base and score runs at a decent clip. They don't hit the ball over the fence a ton, but they've been a decent to, you know, in most statistical categories, you know, whether you want to go conference play only or uh, throughout the entire season, they've actually been a little north of the top half of the league in most offensive categories outside of just sheer home runs. They don't have a ton of power. But you talk about a team that has not pitched it well from starting pitching and plays atrocious defense – this is a weekend as Ole Miss tries to figure it out on the mound, you're looking for your offense to – like I'm not going to say they're going to score double digits on a Friday night no matter who it is, but can you blow it open for nine or ten on Saturday and Sunday in particular and score like six, seven to kind of give you some actual cushion on Friday? That to me may be the most crucial part of this series, you know, starting pitching be damned whoever else it is out there.
0: Yeah, no, you need to swing it well. Um, I think I think that's a really good way to put it. Um, you've articulated that pretty well is that, you know, look, this, this give this pitching staff a chance to get settled. If you can do that, then, uh, then, then you're, 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 you're putting yourself, I guess what I'm trying to say is the future uh, the next six weeks could, could be at a better spot. If you can, you know, allow these guys to figure out roles, figure out rotations. And some will say should have done that before conference, get it. But like you didn't, and and it sucks, but you yeah, still so have to what? get it done.
1: Yeah, do I? No, you're you're exactly right. I was just adding on. I was like, so now what? Like the, you know, I get you didn't, but you know, get it done now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like if you don't do a paper until 3 a.m., you know, that's due the next day. Yeah, you should have done it 11 p.m. or 11 a.m. the day before, but you didn't. So now you got to do it now. um You know, it just is what it is, and this offense needs to help. uh Needs to help this rotation get settled in and. Look, going on the road is not easy. I mean, Ole Miss played um, a team I think – I think Kentucky maybe a little better than Auburn. Um, so – and Ole Miss had to play pretty well, um, you know, to to get out of there. I know the game on on Saturday got, got out of hand. But, um, you know, it's you, – you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is you don't go win road series by accident. So Ole Miss is going to have to play well to win two this weekend. And I think if Ole Miss is going to get two, it's certainly going to be on the backs of their offense. Um in case you were wondering about things that were not fair, uh, Blake Tidwell returned for Tennessee tonight. Oh, really? Yeah, he's he's back. So, uh, they have four guys that are better than, like, every other starter in this league.
1: I know we brought it up a little bit on Sunday, but we can just rehash it now. As bad as that weekend was for Ole Miss, and it's not making any excuses, are you now leaning toward the likelihood of us looking up and – um, say three weeks, and uh-huh. just Tennessee obliterating everyone and everyone else. Because if you look, and it's only two weekends, but if you looked at the rest of the league, it looks like a decent bit of parity beyond Tennessee. And uh-huh. Chase mentioned on his pod that he had a text from a scout that. He hadn't talked to in a couple of years. This guy's not one for hyperbole, and the guy out of the blue Texas Chase hadn't talked to him in a couple of years and said Tennessee this past weekend may have been the college ba- best college baseball team I have ever seen. Said that guy's pretty locked in. Never heard something like that come out so, of that guy's mouth. I don't so, think take that totally lightly. No,
0: I would either. It, and I'll say this: um, Tennessee is six and zero oh right now. Um, they play Vanderbilt this weekend. I'm going to give them two. Against the Commodores, right? So, so yeah. we're eight and one. Would you like to know who Tennessee's next two series are against?
1: Sounds very like Missouri, Kentuckyish, or something. Yeah, Missouri,
0: Alabama. Oh, so so that- we're talking about. I got I got the Vols starting off thirteen and two.
1: And thirteen and two. Look, man. One of those guys that old Miss Face this weekend is getting pushed out of that rotation. Like from a sheer numbers perspective, they? on Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Like is it is it just like hey, congrats, Brick Tidwell. I know when we started the year, you were our Friday guy, but how do you how does Tuesday sound? <laughs> <laughs> how does Georgia State sound, buddy? And then you help you help us on the weekends. It's it's crazy. I really do think there's a world and look. This is kind of – this is to a lesser degree. Arkansas had a really damn good team last year, and they swept the eventual national champion Mississippi State, and they caught the wrong hot team in a regional, and they didn't make Omaha. So, like, I'm not saying that this is a done deal by any stretch and, you know, uh, Tennessee's going to win the national title, but I do think there's a world where we, where we look up at the end of this regular season, and Tennessee is by far the best team in this league. So, you know, it's one of those ridiculous like 22 and eight marks. And then everyone else is kind of in that 16 to 18 range in terms of the top half of the league and being good. So I could see a bunch of teams being in the 14 to 18 yeah, no. range. I think it's a lot, There's a decent chance we look up, and Ole Miss got slacked by Tennessee, just like a bunch of clubs did. Yeah,
0: I think that's very possible. Um, well, who
1: did they do the first weekend? Tennessee
0: uh, beat the hell out of South Carolina three times.
1: What did South Carolina do last weekend?
0: Won a series against Vanderbilt. And I think if you're an Ole Miss fan, that that probably lets you breathe a little bit. That that that's what you look at. It's like, okay, maybe maybe Tennessee is legit. Now, let me be very clear: Ole Miss did not play bad. well last weekend. Um, but you know, I don't know if it would have mattered.
1: I'm not sure it would have either. Maybe you get a game and people still wouldn't have been pumped by that. But now I think there's a world where you look back in like five weeks and if old Miss had gotten a game, you're like, damn, that was huge. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Tennessee's 14 and one instead of 15 and oh. So I think that you know things you know, hindsight 2020, and then the picture gets a little clearer. And you know, I think the picture will be a little clearer about Ole Miss after this this weekend coming up against Kentucky. Because like I mentioned, it's a fair test. Like if Ole Miss plays well and pitches it well, they'll win. And that's another part of it. If they come out feeling good about this rotation, I don't necessarily think that it'll be like – I don't think people will be kind of over the moon about it. But it won't necessarily be a, ah, well, it's Kentucky. Kentucky has a decent lineup. The pitching and the defense have really failed this team. But if Ole Miss really – Figures it out on the mound and actually has a good performance throughout the course of the weekend pitching staff wise. That's not to be taken a hundred percent lightly because Kentucky does have a couple of guys that can swing it. They have one of the best third basemen in the country. Um, that kid's name is escaping me as we see is the Estep kid. What? How do you say that, Chase Estep? Yeah,
0: yeah Estep. Really good uh, defensive shortstop and Ryan Ritter, who um, I think swinging it pretty well actually. Um, so you yeah, know, Kentucky's a Kentucky's Kentucky is a quality ball club for sure um Ole Miss will have this is not Missouri rolling into Oxford Ole Miss will have to play well to beat Kentucky twice um and and frankly after last weekend it's fair to ask will they play well um I think I think this weekend not just from a metric standpoint not just from a I mean, you get the rotation fix standpoint I think this weekend tells you a lot about some toughness some yep. some character and, and and that type thing you Good teams don't lose this weekend. It just is what it is you don't lose to this weekend after what happened last weekend. Really good and tough teams would not allow that to happen um which we'll find out about on this this weekend.
1: I concur. I don't have anything to add to that. I think you'll find a lot. Look as much there will still be a lot of question marks in terms of personnel and where you put guys and all of that. But I think uh, I think you'll find a lot a lot about the DNA of this team. Let's hit one more topic before we make our picks and get out of here. It's the Calvin Harris part of it. I mentioned at the top of the show that we would get to this. This is a future problem. You mentioned at the beginning, like what like when will Kevin Graham actually back versus when he'll be hundred percent. There will come a time when Unless Calvin Harris drops off pretty significantly, he's going to have to play every day. How do you think they get him at bats every day and finagle the lineup? Like, what when Kevin Graham is back healthy? What do you think the lineup is? Just your best guess?
0: Yeah, you know we talked about Dunhurst and and that, but the reality is you got to get him somewhere, right? Um, I think he goes right field, and and you know McCants, the the easy replacement, frankly, because he's not swung overly well recently, is uh is Burford, um, you know, Leatherwood's hit some balls well. Um, cause you know, you, you would think that, that, you know, Graham probably replaces maybe an alderman, um, when he gets back and, and however you want to do that. Um, and then it's kind of a situation of, of does he replace, you know, um, Reagan Burford or does he replace Hayden Leatherwood? And, um, you know, I don't think Burford swung over really well the last few weeks. Um, but you know, obviously the potential is really there because he was really, really hot to begin the year. Um, so I don't know. It's 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 one of those two guys, though. I mean, you're you're lucky that Justin Bench can play anywhere and be the best defender at anywhere on the field besides catcher. So you can do a lot of things from a flexibility standpoint. Um, so I don't know, but I, I think that. I will say this bench provides you the flexibility to do whatever you need to do to get them on the field, which is certainly a benefit for Ole Miss.
1: Incredibly invaluable. And it's the same way the kid's been the entire career. I don't really have a great answer for it either. Like, I think you do Calvin Harris in right field, maybe, <laughs> you have option to cling him to DH, but that. So. That's another thing to keep on the horizon, but, man, this team has so many moving parts that feels like a, uh, as I like to put it, when it comes down to a personal task of mine, a big-time future them problem. They will will cross that bridge when they come to it. Ready to make some picks for the weekend? For sure. Great. Well, I I mean, I'll end up saying this every weekend, so pretty much just run the tape back, but a pretty awesome weekend of games. Um, Georgia hosting Florida. Georgia takes the series against state opening weekend. Loses two or three to a Kentucky team that really needed that series. And then Florida kind of has to feel like they let one get away after LSU back into that series. It is Georgia, Florida in Athens.
0: I'm going Florida takes two.
1: I'm going Florida two just because after Georgia's top end pitching, I don't necessarily I'm not sure about that bullpen and they sure as hell don't hit great. So I Yeah, I mean
0: Jonathan Cannon's really good, but Barco can neutralize him on Friday. So um, I just, I, I think Florida matches up well past that. I, I think Florida is going to get that one.
1: I'm going to go Florida two there as well. South Carolina, Missouri, Missouri showed a feistiness.
0: It did. Where is it at? I think it's a Col- South Columbia. Carolina. Sorry,
1: yeah, this in, uh, that, that doesn't help. Good God, Columbia, uh, Missouri. This is in Missouri.
0: Columbia. Okay. Is that Missouri? I'll go. I'll go. Uh, the Gamecocks win two.
1: I'm going to go Gamecocks win two in a hard-fought series. That's one of those ones. If you're South Carolina and you're a club that's you know, if you get hot, maybe you get in the back end hosting conversation, but probably a two seed.
0: South Carolina should consider um, not losing midweek games to the Citadel and Presbyterian sometime soon. Just a word of advice for your RPI.
1: Yeah, they got two wins over uh, three wins combined, like one over Texas, two over Vanderbilt. And you look at their record; and it's like, what do you guys do? Like, oh, they
0: got they got two over Texas.
1: Oh, that's right. They won. That's right. They got two out of three. They have four wins. Yeah.
0: And they lost to the Presbyterian and the
1: Citadel. You're almost talking me into Missouri too, but I just I can't do it because no, I. Can't it. Um, Ole Miss, Kentucky. Ole Miss win. Oof. Ole Miss wins Yeah, I'm going Ole Miss two. Um. I'm trying to think.
0: In- yeah, yeah. Ole Miss wins too. I was trying to think the last time Ole Miss played up there. I think it was seventeen.
1: It was seventeen or I think seventeen or eighteen. I can't remember which one it was. It was
0: it was it was seventeen and the reason I remember that is because it was it was uh Wolfolk's really, really good year.
1: Okay. There you go. Um Alabama at home against A and M. This feels like a series the tide have to have. I'm gonna go Alabama too.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna tell you Alabama wins two because I actually think Bohannon's a really good coach and I think Alabama's a lot better than they played the first two weekends. So and I don't think a and is as good as they played at LSU that weekend.
1: I think so, that was a yeah. too.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go AM wins, too. Or, excuse me, Alabama wins, too. I apologize.
1: Vanderbilt hosting Tennessee. Now, there's going to be some
0: pissed-off Vanderbilt fans when Tennessee goes into their stadium and talks all that noise and then wins, too, and there's not much you can do about it.
1: I am personally very much looking forward to that.
0: <laughs> um, I think the better question is, does Vandy win a game? I, yeah, think I think they
1: do. I think they get a game. I think they I think because they're gonna have they don't have the starting pitching problems Ole miss has. I think it's Tennessee too.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's where I'm
1: going as well. I mean, how that would uh-huh. double Tennessee's loss total on the year on almost April. Um Auburn at LSU, this is a good one. Because Auburn was last weekend has a nice series win at A and M, I LSU wins too. I'm going to go Auburn, too. I don't necessarily care about LSU. LSU's playing well. I know they're coming off the big series win. But team that didn't play great defense and the pitching is iffy, I don't know. I'm going to go Auburn, too.
0: I hope I'm wrong. But uh, I just – them losing two series in a row in Baton Rouge, kind of hard for me to pick against that.
1: Arkansas hosting State.
0: Arkansas wins, too, because that's just what they do against Mississippi State.
1: I think that is exactly correct. I'm going to Arkansas, too, as well. What a weekend of games. I'm looking forward to watching it. He is Colin Brister. I appreciate the time I'm in. We'll talk to you Sunday. Sounds good. All right, that was Colin Brister. I appreciate his time, as always. Good stuff from him. We'll be back on the Sunday show discussing what is going to be a fascinating series. <laughs> Their old mistakes, too, get swept or sweeps themselves or loses two out of three. It is going to be a fascinating series. A lot to talk about, as we still have a lot to learn about this team. All right, we got Grill Corner with Greg on deck. He answered your grilling questions. We'll do a couple more of these throughout the spring and summer. So if you missed it, no worries. We'll get to you next time. I'll get the questions filed away if you sent one after the deadline. No sweat. We'll hit you next time. Here is LB's Greg on a lot of different grilling stuff. All right, we now welcome on Greg the Meat Shark Jones. It has been quite a while. It is a, uh, I would say, a halfway edition of Grill Corner. I didn't do a great job of marketing Grill Corner, but we do have a couple questions to answer. Figure we check back in with you, see what's going on, maybe some horse racing, the March Madness. What's up, my friend? Happy birthday, by the way. As we record this, it will be the day after your birthday when the fine pe- people out there are listening. But as we sit here and record this, happy birthday, my friend.
2: Yeah, man, thank you so much. Uh, you know, it just, uh, it's just a regular day. I came to work and uh, got all my work done, and uh, there was a couple new books at the library I had to check out and uh, make sure they were readable, and uh, here I am at, uh, doing the podcast.
1: Nothing will top the time that we – I can't remember what exactly we were doing. I'm sure we were doing picks where uh, you were doing it from the library in between Jaeger bombs. Um, that was yeah. an all-time – episode
2: uh supposedly that was a very saucy podcast yeah uh through a couple through a couple customers that came in they're like hey look that uh library podcast was pretty saucy so uh i think we're just gonna have to call that the saucy podcast
1: (laughs) i didn't have any jaeger on me but i had to pop a top during that podcast just by osmosis by listening to you uh it happens from time to time i don't make a habit of it anymore i would say I forget one of those COVID, the one of those COVID games. Um, I just gotten to Dallas, and I had to record a post game pod with Colin after I'd been at the bar. And let's just say we won't make a habit. About that yeah, podcast. I mean, like
2: every customer that comes in and say, "Hey, I've uh, heard you on the podcast." I'm like, "Look, man, me and Rip, have fun on the podcast. So uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, then we appreciate you uh, listening to it. So I mean, you know, that's just how I feel about it. We we have fun on this."
1: Absolutely. And uh, that I maybe had a little too much fun before I podcasted that night. But hey, it happens every now and again. So as we uh, before we get into a couple of these uh, grill corner questions, just kind of give me the lowdown what's going on at the store. The people have been asking you and I uh, at texting about this earlier in the week, we got to get the message out about the Glugstat store. Explain because the way you explained it made way more sense to me to where it's just kind of on pause, but I'll leave it to you. Floor is yours. What's up the update with the Glugstat store?
2: Yeah, I mean like man, we had the the ducks in the row on the podcast. I mean on the the LB's location in Glugstat and uh man uh with inflation, gas prices and everything, we uh we actually, you know, ordered coolers and everything and we weren't going to get coolers until August. So it's kind of hard for me to you know, uh just put my name out there and you know buy uh monthly uh, bills and everything until we could sell one stake in August. But it's, it is what it is. We're not pulling the plug on it, but we're going to try to work on it. And We're going to try to uh, get it opened up because, you know, I know some. there's some people in the Glucksat area, the Lake Caroline area, the Reunion area, you know, just every, every area in that vicinity that wants something really cool like LB's. Where they can come and get a steak and some poppers, some asparagus, some stuffed mushrooms, and uh, you know we're just trying our best with it. But right now is just now's not the time for it, and we're just gonna you know just uh, pick and choose or uh, when it, when it's available, and uh, we're gonna try to try to get something going maybe next uh, next next year whenever uh, the time's right.
1: Yeah, not to turn this, I think that's like a smart way to look at it one and not to turn this into economy corner, but with like the supply chain and all that, it sounds like it'll probably be this way through the summer, maybe a little bit into the fall. But if you can kind of get to where we're really kind of where we're at a year from now, maybe some of the craziness will have subsided from some of the supply chain standpoint. That's for people to uh, forecast that are way smarter than us. But I will say, So for my day job, um, one of the things that we're doing on our website in the grease industry is uh, we're doing like customer success stories. Like we just launched a, We just launched a gigantic partnership with Chick-fil-A and brands like that. Yeah, because it promotes your business. Yeah, we'll write about it and put it on the website. But I'll tell you with some of our – like some of the better customer success stories we do are like not the – I won't call it mom and pop, but like more local chains. And on multiple occasions when I've been talking to a restaurant owner that's you know, maybe got three, four stores and is trying to expand to five or six, they're either putting it on hold. Or when I ask them how that's going, they're like, Hey, I don't necessarily want this in the piece, but it's an absolute disaster trying to open up something new right now and trying to expand. And it's like, it's not even a market thing. Like the business is there, the people want it. Like we just can't get the stuff in place. We need to get in place to open the location. So like, it's a common thing right now for sure.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with everything that you said. And then, like, my problem is, like, you know, there's people out there that want jobs, but there's a particular person that needs to apply to the LB's job to, you know, promote LBs and move it forward and everything. And it's just tough because, like, I know there's some people that want to uh, go to LBs and buy a 26-ounce bone-in ribeye for the particular price, and they know what they're going to get and they go to their house, and they get it, so uh, we're trying our best with the whole situation, because like, you know, the, the whole thing with the whole people want jobs, and the, uh, you know, the jobs are not there, the jobs are there, you just got to hire the right people in the right spot.
1: Absolutely, well said. What's uh, the location you do have? I mean, look, the, the product is craved everywhere. I keep, I still have people that ask me at least once or twice a month. It's like, is Greg ever considered some sort of delivery service? So I'm like, I don't know. That could be on the horizon later. But the uh, the people are craving the product. But, hey, it's just all the more excuse to go back to Oxford and go see you there on University Avenue across from Kroger. Um, when you do open up that second location, remember like a year ago we declared war on Kroger. I think the war would have to be over at that point. We would just have embarrassed them. And oh, no, we ended thing. taking over. We've
2: already taken over. I mean, you know, like every person – every new customer that comes into LB's, they, they walk in, they're like, we've seen your store across the street from Kroger. I'm like, look, there's a reason why we're across the street from Kroger. There's a reason why you walk into LB's and buy a lane train. That's a five to six ounce center cut filet for $12 or a eight to nine ounce center cut filet for $25. I went to a, a steakhouse the other day. I'm not going to name the steakhouse, but they were selling an eight ounce fillet potato and
1: salad for sixty-five dollars. That's not I mean, right quite special, my friend.
2: <laughs> I mean, I hope I mean I hope that uh I mean I don't know. I, I don't know what I hope that happens uh if I spend sixty-five dollars on a steak and a potato and a uh salad. Uh, I I don't know. But you know, the whole point of uh going to your house that you own, and you have a nice uh, back porch and that overlooks the golf course or wherever, and you got a green egg. Like, why not go to a really nice steakhouse? And literally, I mean, a steak, st- like a place like LB is to where you can buy two fillets and some stuffed mushrooms and some poppers and not have to spin an arm and a leg and hang out in your boxers and cook a really nice piece of steak.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you really just kind of completed the ad read. I do. Every time about LBs, like starting it out, you know, beyond what great, what, what the great product is, but like you're getting to that time of year, the weather's warm outside, you know. I'm, I'm, you know, we, we started this grill corner kind of not like as a joke, but like I'm kind of the butt of the joke sometimes because I am not by any means like, you know, Bobby Flay over here. I can do a steak and a couple other things, but really, and even with that being the case and my grilling like knowledge and like repertoire, I'd say being limited. Like one of my favorite favorite like evenings is just throwing something on the grill and having like outdoor TV. I'm a huge outdoor TV guy. You throw on the baseball game and you just enjoy the warmer weather. You can't beat that with a stick. You know, got a cool yeah, sure. or whatever it is you drink. That's the best to me, that's the best way to spend really any night. But obviously that probably wouldn't uh probably not watching many old Miss Hoops games outside if you're picking up. <laughs> yeah. But you yeah, know, no, as I'm, the weather gets warmer, kind of, it's a pleasant it, evening. Yeah, it
2: was kind of funny, like, uh, whenever you get a 12-pack of wings from LBs, you know, just put them on the top rack, and I don't know, drink two, three beers, however you want to put them, but, like, just let them hang out, and uh, enjoy your conversation, and enjoy your view of uh, your back porch, and whatever sports there's on the, on the TV, but just low and slow those wings, and then be like, oh, well, I think they're done, you know, just, You know, it's all about community and just being a part of something and uh, cooking good food.
1: Absolutely. Speaking of cooking good food, you're the man that people want to hear from. we got quite a few questions to get into. Let's knock them out so you can uh, get back to enjoying the birthday there at the library before it uh, closes and they make you check out all the books. Luke. Well, it's a
2: 1 o'clock night, so we're
1: good. We're good. There you go. There you go. Luke Vaughn, leadoff hitter here on the first uh, grill corner of the spring What's your favorite cut of beef, and how do you like it cooked? You know, uh,
2: it's so funny because there's so many people that come in and ask, like, what do you like? Like, uh, and then they point at ribeye, filet, strip, or whatever. You know, there's there's a lot of really nice cuts out there, and there's a lot of exclusive cuts, and that's kind of why LB's has been open, and it's kind of why LB's is still across the street from the Kroger for 13 years now. I like the Wagyu Denver cut. It's a the bottom flap of the chuck roll. Um, You know, it's it's a nice cut. It's real meaty and real fatty. Um, I like the New York strip. I trim all the chain muscle and the fat tail out. So I mean, you know, that's a good piece. But if I'm gonna say, hey, I'll just like the filet mignon, just because everybody else likes the filet mignon. You know, I prefer that Wagyu Denver cut. You need to try that if you've never had that Wagyu Denver cut. You know, like take a chance on it you know there's it's a nice cut, it's real lean. I trim the fat out, you know, why not take a chance on it? but whenever uh the chips are down on the table, I prefer that bone in ribeye twenty six ounces cap side, you know, just go with that bone in ribeye
1: that I should have eaten dinner before we recorded this because I'm gonna start getting hungry the uh the, so you mentioned that the uh there's a reason you guys have been open across from Kroger for so long and it's the amount of like specialty cuts and custom cuts that you have Explain to like someone like I mean, I say someone just explain to me because I don't understand it when you say like a custom cut or like a specialty cut like that what are you guys doing to get that that a chain like Kroger's not like what goes into being able to corral what'd you say Denver what was that Wagyu Denver what it was yeah here we go like sure. what goes into attaining something like that is that you doing the work to cut it yourself
2: For sure, and that's what we do here. We make our own sausages, we smoke our own sausages, and there are certain things that we do here to where it's an exclusive product. Like I had a guy come in today, and he goes, "Um, Joe, he was actually pricing the uh, Wagyu Denver Coast that I just trimmed up, and he goes, hey, what's that? You know, because he was curious about it because, you know, whenever he usually goes into a Walmart or Kroger, he, you know, he has a choice of everything that's been packaged. And, you know, he just picks it out of what he wants. Well, I just got done cutting some really nice Wagyu Denver cuts. And Joey's like, look, man, uh, this is the bottom flap of the chuck roll. They really don't buy it. They really don't sell it at Kroger's or Walmart's because it's an exclusive cut. And that's what's so exclusive about LBs. And that's why we've been open for 13 years is because we have exclusive cuts like the sirloin and Hoover. I mean, like coach Lafferty literally is like, I think I, I don't know if I saved his marriage, but he's like, look, man, like my kids love this sirloin and Hoover and thank you. And I'm like, dude, you know, it's just like, I trim the sirloin out. I trim the fat out, pepper it, Hoover it, and you can just cook it. And then, you know, the kids eat it. And it's just like exclusive cuts like that to where, you know, we just an exclusive store and it just helps to be, you know, have your hands on and do certain things that we can do at this store.
1: Absolutely. And so do you, is, so how does one, I, you know, I had friends in college that attained pretty awesome skills, like how to put a cigarette out on their forehead, maybe do the whole pop the top with the tooth thing. How does one like learn the skill set of these specialty cuts? I mean, are you a YouTube guy?
2: I mean, I, 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 I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to break
1: it to you. It's simple. Uh, YouTube. Uh,
2: it is <laughs> I didn't go to butchery school. You know, I, I went to MRA, so we're not very smart. Uh, you know, I'm not going to try to knock the private school association. Uh, uh, really programs. But I didn't go to JA, so I went to the other private school in Madison County that, uh, you know, other it's so funny. I have some kids that come in and they're like, Oh, I went to Jackson prep. Like where, where do you live? And he's like, Oh, Madison County. I was like, Oh, cool. So you live in Madison County and drive to Jackson, you know, to Hines County to go to Jackson preparatory school, which is cool. But, uh, no, man, I, uh, I just enjoy what I do. I wake up every morning. I get to cut steaks. Uh, I get to provide a product for people that like to cook good food and, Enjoy good food, so it's just uh it's just one of those private school education things that I got going on.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, is uh, is is Bridgewater the new east over Many people are asking. Who knows? Um, so, but like, so, uh, how does that work from the sense? Because I've had a couple of people ask about this. Like, if someone came in and was like, "Do you have such and such cut? Is that a thing?" Do you say no, but like we could try it, or I could try to do it. Like, do you are you taking like like obviously it's not like by appointment by that sense, but like if someone comes in and is like, do you have this certain cut? Like, are you willing to try it or does it work that way? How does that work?
2: Oh no. I mean, like I said, I'm always about like customers coming in and having a conversation with me because like, that's the whole reason why LBs is open because you can't go to Walmart. You can't go to Kroger and you can't literally say, Hey, I would like a Wagyu Denver cut. And they're look at you like, what? Like, So that's the whole point of LBs. And that's why we're open is because we want you to come in and have a conversation with us and say, Hey, look, you know, I saw this recipe that had some cool beef short ribs and I think they were cut like four inches piece. Yeah. That's an old English cut and we can get you taken care of in that, how much pounds you need. And she's like, Oh, I just need three bones and we get that taken care of for them. So, it's an exclusive, like, you know, kind of like, I don't know, like, what's, what was that? Uh, the Meat that, Sommelier. Yeah, like Meat Sommelier, or what, what is the, uh, what's that movie called? The Snakes? Not the Snakes. <sighs> snakes. Uh,
1: uh,
2: the Skulls, the Skulls. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like an exclusive, like, meat uh, people that like to eat nice steaks and good steaks. Uh, the Skulls. With uh, what is that guy? That blonde-haired guy that's really good-looking. The Skulls, Skulls two, one and two, where it was like an exclusive fraternity where, like John F. Kennedy, was that the
1: Skulls? You're asking the wrong fellow, pal. I'm better. all right.
2: Well, anyway, I apologize for going off script, but anyway, <laughs> uh, it's just like an exclusive fraternity of people that really like to eat what they want. Like I had a customer come in today, and they wanted some uh spiny lobster and i said look i can get you some spiny lobster no problem they're going to be fresh and you know he got five spiny lobsters for the weekend and he's he's excited about what he got you know so it's just exclusive products and exclusive clientele we try to help out
1: everybody that we can that's a hell of a marketing message too i mean my god i what uh eat what you want print the shirts we could print it out there. i mean shit, we, we we started making
2: a sausage with cheetos in it i mean you know i don't know what else you're gonna do what? how does that how, how does we work? did a, uh we started doing this uh we did the spicy cheeto chicken sausage so it is a chicken sausage with flaming hot cheetos high temperature cheddar cheese and paprika so it is a Cheeto chicken sausage. I mean, so, yeah, you need to get in on that. Was that a recommendation or
1: was that you guys maybe in the back? Uh, you no, know, uh, we, uh,
2: we, uh, we got in a circle and we uh, collaborated our uh, two, mi- two and a half minds of five people. And uh, that's what we came up with. Uh, we came up with a Cheeto sausage with uh, high temperature cheddar cheese and flaming Hot Cheetos, and it's actually really, really good.
1: That sounds honestly incredible. Was, is there any – And we
2: actually did question? another faj- uh, uh, funyan sausage. So we did a chicken sausage with green onions and Funyuns and called it the chicken grunion sausage.
1: <laughs> I could go so many directions with this. I have so many questions. One, that sounds awesome. Two, do you give any credit to – a uh, a wax pin being passed around amongst this brain. Yeah,
2: country. I mean, look, uh, <laughs> my mom, my mom is back here behind the uh, doors, and she tries to keep us in between the mustard and the mayonnaise, and you know she does a really good job. She, you know, obviously she uh, hit on Lane Kiffin, which was cool. Uh, you know, standing in front of my mom and
1: I'm sure he's saying know,
2: that you know she's got, he's got a rocking body, which. You know that's that's how LB's is. We're 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 just laid back people, and we just love our jobs, and we love waking up every morning and making sure everybody has, you know, fresh cut prime beef uh, ribeye, fresh cut fillet, and just fresh cut s- sausages. I mean, that's just how we roll around here.
1: The other thing that immediately came to mind: I grew up in the age of YouTube. Uh, My girlfriend is very YouTube illiterate and I'll like quote like 420 disaster famous YouTube video. And she's like, what are you talking about? Jesus, were you sheltered as a child? One of the ones that comes up was, did you ever stumble across the epic mealtime guys? They would just drink a bunch of Jack Daniels and make absurd dishes. (laughs) You have any idea what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, rough rough about, you know, like yes, – uh, They had, like, a fast food pizza cake where I think they made lasagna – or, like, they made, like, lasagna out of, like, 250 White Castle burgers. It, it was incredible. <laughs> but, like, this brain trust on the sausage thing sounds a little similar. Um, I don't know if you guys are chugging Jack Daniels in sunglasses like those dudes. Yeah, play, no, I mean, you know, we're – more in nine maybe than it would play, like, now.
2: <laughs> man, we you know, we're like I said, we're trying to keep it as uh, – educational and try to keep it as uh you know in between the mustard and the mayonnaise but you know like i said it's it's just cool to come up with your own ideas and that's what's so unique about lbs you know like we're not uh locked in on a kroger or walmart where hey this is what you got to do you can't do anything else but this so you know like the ribeye sausage that we make you know, I know we got a question about it, and I jumped the gun on the Twitter that uh, answered uh, how, how, what's your ham, best hamburger steak recipe. But, you know, it's cool to have a conversation with customers. It's mm-hmm. cool to, like, you know, talk to customers and have that one-on-one impact with them because, like, it helps them to where they can cook something and be excited about cooking something down the road.
1: No doubt, and for all those out there listening, because I get so many questions all the time and we're actually about to get to one where it's like, does Greg do this or will Greg do this? It sounds like the general answer is yes, just go in there and go see him.
2: Yeah, I mean, just to be like, hey, Greg, you know, like we've known each other for 30 years. I just turned 42. So, I, I mean, you know, I, I will accept anybody's uh, conversation for 40 years. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about everything. And just if you have an idea of what we wanted, of what want we what you can do or what we can do for you, just let us know. I'll be glad to do it for you.
1: Next one we have is chicken,
2: dark or light meat. I, I mean, I'm a dark meat guy. I mean, you know, I just like that chicken thigh. We make that chicken spinach fed of sausage with dark meat. Um, you know, the breast meat is cool. I, I uh, We sell a lot of the um, Joyce Farms chicken breasts, two per pack. We season it with the house seasoning and the Greek and the honey garlic and the uh, lemon peppers, so uh, I can't say no. I don't like the white meat, but I'm a, I'm a dark meat kind of guy.
1: Fried or grilled? was his next one? Whew.
2: You know, after looking at my physique after 42 years of my life, I think I probably need to get in on that grill meat. <laughs> Fair enough. And then the last <laughs> Just one. Just trying to be funny about the whole deal. <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> The last one, uh, which is kind of what we're getting at, probably a good way to put a bow on this first kind of segment of questions is, will you ask Greg to carry pineapple plus jalapeno sausage, preferably venison? Thoughts on that?
2: So on the venison, um, we stopped doing deer processing because we have to keep everything separate from the USDA products. So, like, we do actually a pineapple and jalapeno sausage. Uh, It's called the Spicy Hawaiian. It's a medium plate sausage, pork sausage with bacon, jalapeno, and pineapple. So you can get that kind of uh pork and jalapeno sausage feel, but it's just not gonna be venison. I just gotta like keep everything separate. And that's why we kind of stopped doing stopped doing the uh deer processing because like you gotta keep everything separate, and that's a tough deal to do. So, but we've got a really nice pineapple and pork. And uh, jalapeno sausage called the Spicy Hawaiian. You you should check
1: it out. Absolutely. I remember you're talking about the the deer processing and the venison, and I almost turned you into like a glorified not taxidermy, but the the deer processing place, which cracked me up because I now work in a job to where like our marketing area is next to like the customer service. And yeah, so I'm you know, <laughs> open. No, I can hear it, and so we do obviously rendering too on top of used cooking oil. And those poor folks will have like some someone in I mean we're across the country. So you know in the middle of nowhere be like, hey, can you come pick up my pet goat and like take his body away? it's like, hey, we don't do that. Like
2: <laughs> Yeah. No, what's so cool. funny is like, hey, can you? And we we're like, uh, you know, they're like we're a mass producer. So like we're not individually going to pick up your dope, your goat and be like, Oh, hey, this is gonna be thirty-five dollars.
1: Yeah, like we pick up from butcher shops and stuff, but like, you know, uh, you know, Franny, the the pet goat or whatever, we're probably not going to take that off your hands. Oh, damn. I didn't know she had a name. My yeah, bad. No, they, they're they like, they're, sometimes people are very upset and they're like, can you just get this off my property? And they're like, <laughs> the poor customer service people are like, hey, that's not what we do. I'm very sorry about the loss of your, you know, llama, alpaca. We get some weird ones, but it's like, we, we can't take that. So anyway. I mean, uh, is,
2: is mostly Franny their names?
1: Uh it no! I like a think, good would, solid I would, name. I, I don't know if a goat would look like Franny, uh, <laughs> but um, we we we've certainly gotten some uh some some strange requests. Uh, I can gotta,
2: only imagine like being on the phone and like Franny runs off in the pasture and be like Franny, get get back here!
1: Oh, I think they have people like in tears because like their their pet obscure pet has just died and they somehow got our number to call us and be like y'all take dead corpses, right? We're like, kinda not really, not like that. Um. All right, we got another one down the pipe here. What is Greg's grill of choice for someone when buying a first personal grill? Oh, this is a good
2: question. So, what's my first personal meat that I'm going to grill on the grill?
1: No, 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 no. I think he's asking about brands of grills. What's, uh, if you're, if someone wants to buy their first grill, so it sounds like this is a newly minted homeowner. I would bet this is a newly minted homeowner in the future. It's a buddy of mine who just got married. Congrats to you, by the way. If he's, if he's, you know, taking out a, not taking, I say taking out a grill, um, (laughs) buying a first grill, um, what what would you go with? You know, honestly, I
2: think the Traeger is going to be your best bet just because uh, you can just move the directional aisle to whatever temperature you want, press a button, and it shows up. So, but, um, you know, definitely put that on your wedding. Is it wedding planner? No. Wedding gifts? Registry. Registry, yes. Put, put Traeger grill on your registry. I think Traeger grill is going to be your best option on, on your registry. But if you don't get Traeger grill on your registry, I like a good solid Weber grill. You know, it's uh, the best way to open, you know, it has an open face grill. You can put charcoal on one side, have a direct heat side, have an indirect heat on the other side where, you know, you learn how to cook stuff and you can do direct heat stuff. Indirect heat stuff. Put your sausage on indirect heat. But I just think the uh, Traeger is going to be your best bet on uh, if you don't have to buy your grill uh, registry. That, I think let's put that on that.
1: We might need to have a uh, a wedding registry corner on the podcast at some. Point. Oh
2: yes, let's do that. Yeah. I got a store, and, and we can get, we can add some gift certificates. You know, if like they uh, heard the 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 grill registry uh, podcast, we could probably get like $50 off on LB's gift certificates.
1: I was drinking with some folks in Dallas not too long ago. And honestly, I can't, I, I, for whatever reason, I can't remember who this was or where it came from, but one of the dudes was saying that he, he had, I guess recently gotten married and he was tired of all the home decor stuff. And he was like, you know what, To hell with this. I'm registering a chainsaw. I want a chainsaw. And so he put yeah. a chainsaw on his wedding registry and for a guy that's pretty ignorant about how that stuff goes, I would like to know like what's, what's acceptable and what is not accepted to put on a wedding registry. Like, could I put like a tailor-made stealth two or a stealth plus on the wedding registry? You know? Yeah. You know? Uh, how, how, uh, I'm looking for a new driver.
2: How do you know about any of the new drivers? I'm left-handed. So I have to buy the driver. I can't hit it. And like, get a couple practice swings in and be like, Oh, I like this driver. Can I buy this one? Which driver do you recommend right now?
1: I just got made, uh, fitted for, I got a, as a birthday present, I got a gift card to Edwin Watts, which they have one down there in Jackson and there's also one over here in Fort Worth and actually they'll go fit you. I'm left-handed as well. And I got fitted for a tailor-made stealth and uh, I love it. It, uh, it's pretty great. So I guess I'll recommend the stealth, but honestly dude, the way with the driver technology is nowadays, Whatever feels the best, like as long as they – when you do go get the fitted part of it, as long as you get the spin and the degree of loft like somewhat in a decent range, it really just comes down to personal feel, and I ended up with the Stealth. So I'll recommend to you the Stealth.
2: Look, we're out here giving grill corner uh, options, driver options. I mean, I think think we've got the whole thing covered. (laughs)
1: We're yeah. This is about as versatile of a podcast as you could possibly ask for. To so be we able.
2: got two left-handers on one podcast. So uh, I like this. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm a big guy. I, I like the, you know, I'm just a nine and a half guy. And if it's a stiff shaft and I can hit it really hard and uh, I'll rip it. You know, but I just uh, I kind of like the stinger. I'm a I'm a three wood stinger
1: challenge guy. Kind of I like that. That is actually exactly what I got. I think I actually got a nine degree with the stiff shaft, but I'm uh kind of in the same boat there. But that's three left-handers on the MPW Digital Network. Chase is left. Oh
2: wow, we might need to uh start up a. We might need to start up a crew.
1: Yeah, there we go. Just a left-handed mafia. Um, all right, here we go for Greg. Best venison recipe, Antonio Batista asks.
2: You know, like if you're if you can if you can, if you own your own deer property, you own your own land and you can kill a deer, debone the deer and hopefully you can go to your local processor and they, and they will work with you about deboning the deer that you just killed and said, Hey, I would like beef burger or smoked sausage or anything like that. And, uh, you know, it is what it is on a lot of processors and, uh, You can't get that exclusive product with that. But, um, you know, that, that, that's what I recommend. You know, if you can get your, if you can kill your own deer, debone your own deer, make sure you like vacuum seal your own product and like put it in the deep freezer, find somebody that can process your deer that you killed, not have a processor process a bunch of deer that you, you gave into the lot. So, that's that's my recommendation rec- recommendation on deer processing.
1: Interesting. So there's is once that like venison like once it comes back like when he's like saying best venison recipe is there any sort of like unique way to cook it or is it just No, buy-
2: I would it? recommend doing your own like trying to like look at YouTube videos, you know, like try to buy uh try to buy like a basic uh what's that like shake shake mixer you know, where it has a grinder on the outside, a mixer in the middle and everything to where you do your exclusive stuff to where you can figure out how to do stuff to where you can do your own stuff. And you don't have to pay a person to where you don't get your product back because like the, um, stands and, and, and Jackson, they, they're a great processor. They do really good product, but you don't get your product back that you give them. So like, the whole point of like killing your own deer, doing your own product, and making your own product—that's what helps you. That's what helps you doing the whole thing. So that's what I recommend: is to try to get a uh, what is that thing called just a, uh, just a basic whisker and a grinder on the same thing, and just do your own stuff.
1: Do you have a favorite cut of deer meat? There's so many ways to do it. I know. Like, do you, like, uh, in terms of the deer, what do you prefer? Um, I have a real redneck story of a dude next to us at the uh, the place we used to hunt, like deer hunt when I was a kid. Most people out there are probably sitting there thinking, "This city slicker deer hunted, yeah, kinda." But the dude next to us would eat deer ribs. I was never a huge fan of that. I'd actually didn't even know that was really a thing. But I just opened the floor to you in terms of the deer what do you enjoy most about like uh, i guess deer meat in general
2: well i actually went to maury and uh, i wasn't i wasn't the most uh deer processing kind of guy i'm pretty sure that's more of a hillcrest and uh central homes kind of uh kind of crew uh (laughs) uh, we didn't really deer process that deer process Process our own stuff from Jackson Preparatory or Jackson Academy and MRA. So, um, with that being said, look, I, I think taking meat off the bone and knowing what you have, and then either getting a Boston butt, which is pork trim or beef trim, and just figuring out what you want to do. There's so many different options. You can do a breakfast sausage, you can do a smoked sausage. You can do certain mental things, but as far as the deer ribs, I mean, that's just—I uh, don't know, man. That's just trying to make lemonade with a lemon.
1: That's using every part of the animal, as the Native Americans used to say. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. It's like
2: to... you know, like whenever customers come in, I'm like, hey, do you do you handle kidneys? Like, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, there's a guy on on uh, Instagram that is the kidney guy or whatever, and You You know, I wish that I could help that customer. I wish I could say, oh, yeah, I've got plenty of kidneys back here. Uh, How many kidneys do you want? You know, but, like, I don't break down whole animals. I don't break down sides of animals. But, you know, I can, like, refer a customer to somebody that breaks down whole animals. But, uh, you know, the the YouTube and the uh, Instagram world has just opened up a can of worms on everything as far as eating.
1: Yeah, I don't know, really know how you become a kidney guy. I'm not sure I want to know. I'm an organ donor, not to brag, not a hero. The real heroes are the firefighters out there and such, but uh, I don't think that's what they uh, had in mind, all in terms of you just keeping a bunch of uh, kidneys and stuff in stock. Would uh, Here we go. Kyle Wilson asked, this is the one you jumped the gun on, but that's okay. We got to tell the people on the podcast, best hamburger steak recipe.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, like, so we recently started doing TV dinners. TV dinners.
1: I saw that. We were plugging that the other day on the pod. It looks
2: delicious. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, uh, you know, I just think bringing back things that people enjoy and people love, you know, and I think a TV dinner is something that everybody enjoyed and everybody, you know, used to be a part of. And so that's what we did. There we go. I'm I'm getting a beer in the refrigerator. Sorry. Uh, I'm at LB's. Uh, I'm at B's uh doing the podcast because uh, this is the only place that have internet. So, uh. but no, the TV dinner is uh, just something that is cool, and I think that people can like figure out what's going on and be like, "Hey, you know, I can get a pound of spaghetti from LB's. I can get a hamburger steak and gravy with some uh, cream potatoes and corn. Just you know, just trying to like." you know, reconnect with our customers and trying to get them taken care of because, you know, there's a lot of people that don't like to cook, but they love to eat. So we just try to take care of everything. We're trying to bring back the plate lunch slash dinner lunch. So we're just rolling with it, man.
1: There we go. As far as a best hamburger steak recipe for this gentleman, do you have any advice? So um, what we do for the baseball
2: team and uh, this has worked for six and a half years, and uh, I hadn't got a um, false remark yet. But what we do is we're our ribeye sausage mix, and uh, we do the same thing with our meatloaf. It's just a beef trim mix, and of course, I'd love to give you the full-on recipe because you know you'd it's make top your top. own, and you know. But uh, the ribeye sausage recipe is just a basic beef trim garlic, sun-dried tomato, green onion, and then LBs. So uh, after, after, after the green onion and the garlic and the sun-dried tomato, I can't help you after the LBs. So it, it's just a good uh, beef blend with those uh, onions and bell peppers and everything that helps it out. And uh, it's just a good, good mixture and uh, really helps with a cream of mushroom can Some sauteed mushrooms, some butter, and some hoover sauce. So, I literally gave you the secret.
1: His follow-up is, what are the best sides for hamburger or steak? All right. Well,
2: then, you just need
1: to get a a sack full of potatoes, boil the hell out of them,
2: make sure they're clean. You know, that's the thing about crawfish, potatoes, and everything in general. You know, crawfish is something that can be really, really good or really, really bad. So if you have a here in
1: Dallas, you can't find good crawfish out here, but continue. Well,
2: that's because they probably have no clue about purging crawfish. So okay. you gotta make sure your crawfish are clean. You have to make sure they're clean to where that water before you dump it into the water that you're boiling. you gotta make sure that's clean, you know, because uh that uh, they're sucking the head and eating the tail. So you don't want to them to suck dirt. That it's not gonna be very flavorful if they suck some dirt so just gotta make sure you know your product and handle your proper product properly
1: last one we got we uh the official dog sponsor of the podcast so our podcast i won't say adopted a dog because this my man spencer the listener here uh, he technically owns the dog i'm not about to dog nap his dog but he would like to we have an official dog of the podcast now his name is snoop he appears to be a golden retriever Looks like he was catching some 2019 Masters action based on this question. But uh, I would imagine Spencer, the owner, and Snoop, the dog, apparently would like to know what's your ideal lineup for Masters weekend on the grill. Uh, wait, is this the
2: how, – how I want to – what animal I want to have for a defense? Or is this – Oh, no, no like,
1: I missed that one. We'll get to that one in a second. I'll hit that one. Because no, I literally – I researched that. By the way, I mean, I really don't research, but yeah, no. So, Masters weekend, what would you have on the grill? Man, you know, I, I, I honestly, I think
2: that the best thing is is uh tell the wife to make some really good pimento cheese. Tell the wife to make some really good chicken salad, and just let her be a part of the the party. And then I think some smoked wings. Um, I think just something very basic, very ba- like nothing crazy over the top is just the best thing to where you're enjoying your back porch. You know, the wife has uh, contributed with the pimento cheese and the chicken salad, you know, maybe some uh, chicken tenders. I think it's just like, I think masters should just be very basic, nothing over the top.
1: There you go. Last one we got. As long as you want to get to it, what's uh ideal? So we had a guy ask, checking in here, asking about uh, asking about your ideal defense if you had to do oh. it with only an animal. What was? I mean, plan? that's.
2: A, th- I think that. I mean, is that just one animal in general, or do I have a
1: a different animal in every position? I don't think there are any rules here. I think you can go wherever you want to. We can go as many animals. Well, I
2: think I think I would I would start out with honey badgers at cornerback. Man. just because I don't think a honey badger would be really good at safety, other than the Tyron Matthews was called the uh, the honey badger on safety. But I think a couple honey badgers on cornerback, you know, I, I think the polar bear at defensive end, uh, in interior lineman would be that's a, I pro- that's
1: a D tackle. Yeah. I,
2: I would think that would be tough to be, deal with. You know, I think there's some cheetahs, um, you know some um, jaguars at defensive uh, at at cor- at outside linebacker and and inside linebacker that would be tough to deal with, but um, you know and uh, in all honestly, I just like I, I like the honey badger at corner. You know because you don't know if he's going to come on the blitz or cover that you know number one wide receiver.
1: I'm going to go. I, with I like the a little bulk on the outside. I'm going to go with a tiger as the defensive end. excuse me lion uh lion i've watched enough planet earths read into that what you want but you know i like their speed off the edge so i'm gonna go lion defensive end i don't hate the polar bear aspect i was gonna go grizzly bear but hey polar bear works as well and then uh you know middle linebacker you just gotta have something that's zero to 100 pretty quick could we get speed on the interior maybe go like cheetah or jaguar or something there
2: Yeah, like I said, I think those uh, those felines on the on the outside cornerback, outside linebacker, inside linebacker. I think you got versatile speed, and they can come cover the the curl route or fill in the gap. But I mean, I think you really got to watch out for that polar bear uh, on on the inside
1: interior. Gonna be hard to top that. That is all we have for grill corner this week. I appreciate the time, my man. You were rowing through Dallas this weekend on a uh, horse show. Uh, oh
2: yeah, we're uh, we're, uh, we're going to give you a quick uh, uh, Arkansas Derby pick. Absolutely, go ahead. Just a quick one. You know, there's nine horses in the field, and you know it's a it's a prelim to the Kentucky Derby. It's uh it's a good time, and uh, if you've never been to Hot Springs, I recommend it. You know. Uh, Rent out a BBRO and uh, enjoy yourself. Maybe get some LB's meats for the weekend. Maybe get some steaks and uh, hang out. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple good horses. There's a Bob Baffert horse, which uh, obviously Bob Baffert is uh, probably not training him, but whatnot. But I like the girl. The The girl can beat the boys this weekend. Secret Oath. You like Secret Oath, Rippy?
1: That sounds pretty awesome. Do I but does that mean I'm pro Bafford? I thought we were anti Bafford.
2: Well, uh, Bob Bafford, we don't know what the horse's name is. We just uh, he's the number 4 horse and uh, now what Bob Bafford's done is basically uh, sent all his horses to trainers that he can have an ear in. So, I mean, that's kind of the
1: situation is nice. with Bob Bafford absolutely shameless that (laughs) baffer
2: no i mean like what's really cool is about the 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 derby is because there's a horse that they paid thirty five hundred dollars for he's a he's a horse that's run really good he ran into two two, uh two really good horses uh the number one horse his name is kavad thirty five hundred dollar purchase you know like why not root for a horse like this you know like everybody thinks that uh, it takes a million dollars to win the K- Arkansas Derby and win the Kentucky Derby, but why not take a chance on Cabide? But there's a couple other horses. Uh, Uno Ojo, which is, means one-eyed horse. He has one eye. Uh, he had a uh, – as a yearling, uh, a tree hit his right eye and took his right eye out. So his name is Uno Ojo. So that means one-eyed horse. And uh he actually won the rebel good horse uh you know runs uh, runs really hard every time, but there's another horse called we the people uh he's two for two he's on the outside and this is uh it's a good horse and it's it's hard not to bet on him but um but if there's a horse I like, I think uh the uno oho is a good one. I really like Secret Oath because you know d wayne Lucas is the trainer, and uh he's the uh this is his best spot to know if he's got a horse to win the Kentucky Derby. And can a girl beat the boys? Why not? You know, if, uh, if the boys can't beat the girls, you know, join them, whatever. So, uh, I like it.
1: There we go. This has been Grill Corner, Horse Racing Corner, Wedding Registry Corner, whatever you want to call it, Greg the Meat Sharp Jones. We'll do this again soon. I'll do a better job of plugging it. We'll get some more questions. Enjoy your birthday, my man, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a great weekend. All right, that is our show. I appreciate you guys tuning in. I had a midweek guest fall through this week. We'll be back to three pods next week. Hopefully we can get that locked down for Wednesday. So appreciate the patience there. And I uh, hope you guys are having a, uh, or have a good weekend. Maybe you're already having a good weekend. Hopefully it's uh, off to an early start already, doing something you enjoy, maybe a nice cold one in your hand. Be safe out there. Don't do anything I wouldn't do or do. I don't know. You're all adults out there. I can't stop you. Have a great weekend. Connor and I'll be back on Sunday night.